Hey, boomers! Welcome once again to another issue of Sonic the Comic the Podcast. I said issue, did I mean episode? Who knows? It's who knows both. Who cares? I am Chris McFeely, one of the Humes who thinks we're in charge around here, and with me as always is Dave Bulmer, the other of the Humes who think we're in charge. And we've got more Mobius secrets in Sonic's world this issue. Christ. Christ? Christ! <laughs> like Christ. That's a, a unduly reverent. I mean, it claims we do, but we'll get into that inside. I know! What else does the cover promise? Um, what else does it claim? <laughs> Searing action with Sonic the Hedgehog? Monster Mash with Mutant League? And stargazing on Pirate STC. Don't really get that one. Mm. Don't really understand that line. Plus, as usual, along the bottom, charts.news.qzone.reviews and more. Dot com. Yep. Covered by Farron Rodriguez, this issue, uh, Sonic dodging a buzzer. Rather mean and angry looking buzzer it is, too. Yeah, he's got great big puffy eyelids, hasn't he? Mm. So, yeah, as we said, this is issue number 32. Came out on August the 6th, 1994. Cover dated August 19th. And uh, that's pretty much everything that's on the cover, really, isn't it? Not a particularly remarkable cover. Weird font choice and yellow text against a kind of a pale yellowy brown rock face background. Yeah, not great. Not, not a great see. one. Not the best I've ever seen. When I was looking at this one, and now you bring it up, it was because of the font, but I didn't really put that together at the time. I was thinking, have we got a new designer? And then I forgot to check. No, it's Gary Knight, who we're used to from his promotion recently. It is. Yeah, because he's just after coming on, isn't he? <laughs> Oh, now look at this in the credits at the bottom. We have special thanks to Audrey Wong. Now, that's a name I remember as a major STC editorial contributor. I don't confess to remembering what her job usually is, but it's one of the names I remember. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've seen a picture of her. I genuinely don't believe that I have ever heard the name before. Because as we have ascertained in the past, I, uh, for whatever reason... Despite paying attention to every other credits box in the comic, the one on the control zone was the one I never paid attention to. Yeah. Well, so what do we talk about in the welcome screen today? Anything? Um, Bugger all? Well, we're <laughs> no. getting excited by the first bit. Isn't it about time STC featured some more free gifts? I thought you'd say yes. In that case, here's a big hint. Make sure you don't miss issues 34 and 35. You never know what you might find taped to the covers. Well, you I know, think I, I can remember one, one of them. them. Yeah, <laughs> they were both thinking the same thing. I remember what one of them was, but I actually don't remember what the other one was. No, me neither. So that's genuinely find out soon. Genuinely a mystery that we'll have to find out, and we'll have to find out if I've still got it. If it's made of paper, I've probably still got it. We've talked a little bit before about how we've got coming up in Sonic's World. Sonic's World is back, and it's about uh, characters named Cam and Bert. And they keep this line. It's on the cover, and here it is again in the welcome screen. Further secrets revealed of the planet Mobius. And they are doing nothing so much as setting the audience up for catastrophic disappointment by <laughs> consistently presenting the strip as this. Yeah. It is yeah. not. And on the front cover, on the inside front cover, and it's just going to be a comic. Yeah. I can see, I think I can see why they felt they could describe it in those terms. We'll go into it when we get to the comic, but yeah. it's not what you are expecting, given what it was before. Mm. I know what you're getting at. Yeah, then, just describing the rest of the contents of the issue. Mutant League, Pirate STC. Oh, no, look at this. A real feast for sports fans. Mm. The Review Zone features action from the worlds of baseball, football, and motor racing. They're not kidding, folks. Mm. <laughs> you know, funny that you should mention that. You know, I had cause recently, just the other day, to look up what the best-selling games of 1994 were. Okay. Would you like to be depressed? 
Go on. A special kind of depression we can only enjoy on this podcast. We're talking about the year Sonic 3 came out, we're talking about, yeah? Yeah. Highest selling Sega Genesis titles of 1994 per Wikipedia. NHL 94, FIFA International Soccer, World Series Baseball, Ms. Pac-Man, NBA Jam, NBA Showdown, Mortal Kombat 2, Bill Walsh College Football 95, what? Madden NFL 94, and PGA Tour Golf 2. You know what that is, Chris? That's maddening. <laughs> the year Sonic 3. And Sonic and Knuckles both came Flipping out. heck. What is wrong with the world What in 1994? That's our... Yeah, it's fine now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Famous Gamers is the central column this issue's I suspect zone. we may reach the same conclusion on this one. Yes, continuing STC's <laughs> coverage of Sega worshippers, or celebs who know their game gears, these popsters were snapped during the trio of Sega Capital Radio Roadshows, which took place in May, as featured last issue. And then uh, they quiz us. There, there are five pictures here of celebrities from 1994, and the question is, do you know who they are? Answers at the bottom of the page. I could identify... One. One of these pictures. Could you... Danny Minogue. Exactly. We both identified <laughs> Danny Minogue, and we haven't a clue who the rest of these people are. No, even though a lot of them are the ones that I looked up and researched last yes, time. <laughs> because they're all names that were specifically listed off as attending these shows last issue that we promptly forgot as soon as we yeah. finished recording. <laughs> we got Bad Boys Inc. We got Tony DeBart. We got EYC. And we've got Kenny Thomas. I don't... Was Kenny Thomas mentioned last Actually, I don't think, think so. he was. That doesn't strike, no. a, strike a bell, no. No, but they're all holding Game Gears, except for Danny Minogue, who's above that sort of thing. <laughs> Unless she's holding it below the waist, because that's as far as you can see. Unless, In which case, she's literally above that sort of thing. <laughs> Your puns are killing me this week. <laughs> the Sega Charts. Oh, the Sega Charts. Sportsy Sports, 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 Sportsy Sonic 3... June 2, sportsy, sportsy, sports. Yep, Pete Sampras Tennis in at 2, and Ryan Giggs World Class Soccer in at 10. And of course, FIFA taking the top spot, as it will for the rest of our lives. I was going to say, the rest of time. (laughs) I tell you what, though, Sonic's doing well in the Mega CD charts. He's only at number 3, and down from what was presumably number 2. Well, as we all know, there were only 14 games for the Mega CD. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, that's not true at all, because in <laughs> fact, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of the entries in this top ten are actually re-entries in from uh, mm, yes. from outside of the top ten. So there's at least 16. Oh. <laughs> that's interesting, though, that he's only lost to Mortal Kombat. What's Ground Zero Texas? Is that that alien shooting game that's where everyone happens, the aliens happen to look oh, like yeah, cowboys? it must be, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah, we, we, uh, yeah like uh, Black Barked or whatever that game was that I couldn't remember the name of that then everybody got on social media to tell me the name of and I've since forgotten the name of again. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. God, the Mega CD was a weird platform, wasn't it? I mean, we're going to talk a little more as we get further into this issue about the weirdness of the the interstitial console market. Yeah. Oh, and look what's in <laughs> at number nine. It's Night Urtap. Oh, Night Urtap. Sonic! <laughs> <laughs> The Unbeatable Foe, written by Lou Stringer, art by Casanovas, and letters by Ellie DeVille. 
A stranger known as the Mysterious Traveller arrives in the Emerald Hill Zone, offering Sonic mega coolness beyond belief if he jumps on a monitor. Sonic isn't falling for it, rightly suspecting the Traveller is an agent of Dr. Robotnik, but unfortunately Tails leaps on the monitor and is transported to the dank and deadly Misery Zone, while an invincible monster appears in the Emerald Hill in his place. Sonic is unable to beat the monster in physical combat, but outwits it by hurling the monitor at it, returning it to the Misery Zone, and bringing Tails back. This is a... this is a silly little one. It is, but I really enjoyed it. As did I. Yeah, because, again, Lou Stringer bringing his skills, he can fit a lot of content into seven pages. So much going on. And lots of little jokes that I like. I mean, straight, I mean, look, I love this second panel, right? Isn't it great? Yeah, I knew you were going to get... So we've got some little animals around the mysterious stranger who doesn't fit the aesthetic. He's like a a robed wizard monk-looking guy. You can't see his face, just red eyes, all of this. And uh, the the vaguest suggestion of possible sculliness going on in his face, but nothing really to see. Ornate robes. And the little rabbit goes, Who are you, mysterious traveller? And he says, I am known as the mysterious traveller. Oh, right. (laughs) It's quality material. And incidentally, talking about the aesthetic, Casanova's really killing it this issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casanova's is back. Doing a real nice job with the Animal Friends this time. Yeah, he's got his backgrounds, but he's got his foregrounds as well. He's got his characters. He's sort of got the hang of how to draw Sonic-y characters, really. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of room for concern at the end of the first page here, (laughs) when Tails is in two panels and he's going, there but then in all the other panels that tails is in he's smiling and and actually making different facial expressions doing all sorts and um yeah casanova's sonic is like recognizably his but it looks Mm. good it looks like enough like sonic for me oh yeah it looks better than the last time he drew sonic yeah that's the thing there's a sort of stc style settling in there you know he's a little thicker a little a little more mm, super deformed the right word chunky yeah yeah, you're right it's a sort of it does marry it more to an stc sort of look but also to the early merchandise look it's yeah it's a good this is uh this is where i like miss sonics mm-hmm. and tails just looks like tails most of the time and the animals just look like the little animals most of the time if there's one hiccup it's he does go in for some rather disturbingly over rendered human like hands. Yes, except in the case of the the little pig who is not Porker Lewis because he's all trotters. I mean, you know these aren't Porker Lewis and Johnny Life because they're naked. Because they're naked. Yes, but we've got a squirrel with a head bow, which to me that suggests Sally Acorn. Oh yeah, that's still Sally. Yeah. That's okay, because Sally hasn't worn any clothes at this point, no. as long as we've known her so. That's still Sally. Yes. <laughs> but that's not flicky, because it's yellow. Yeah, exactly, because yeah, it's not a blue bird. <laughs> yeah. This is another one of those little occasional instances that I didn't really remember. Brought it up a very long time ago, back when we were still in the Mark Miller days. But it's another instance, sort of like, of Sally taking the lead. Yeah. This, honestly... In this little way, she's almost kind of like the leader of the animals in the Emerald Hill. Yeah. And we saw it a bit early on in the Mark Miller stuff, and Kitching will never do anything with her. But yeah, here she is again. Between the naked animals and the fact that it's a, you know, a one-shot and it's a in and out, this feels like an early STC strip, but a particularly yeah. good one. Yes, completely. I mean, it's not because Lou Stringer wrote it, so we know it's not held over or anything, but uh, it's just a fun standalone Sonic adventure that crams a lot of... Tell me this, do you think that the monitor 
was supposed to be a, a PC, a TV from the game. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, it plays the part of one, doesn't it, in the story? But the illustration is of a laptop, essentially. Sort of a laptop, yeah. I think it's a cross between a laptop and like one of those monitors that they have on their desks in Star Trek: Next Generation. It's like yeah, it's it's a sci-fi fantasy monitor type thing, but it's also you know base unit and screen yeah imagine a briefcase style laptop that you open it and you've got the laptop style screen but under it is not a keyboard instead you've just got the the little bit of buttons that was already available on the yeah, front a anyway sort of console thing there already and a, and a big swirly vortex on the but you do kind of maybe get the sense that it was supposed to be for sure a, a tv from the game definitely i think that and, and i think even even reading it now but certainly as a kid i sort of edited it in my brain to be like the latest one of those somehow you know i think because of how a monitor is like from a desktop pc and then laptops were just starting to really be a thing that you might encounter i remember around this time actually a friend of the family someone my parents grew up with came round. god it was probably this year or next and he had his laptop and it was the first time i'd ever seen a laptop computer and it was like this a huge thick affair that you had to like you know wrench open and it had a tiny little square in the middle of the top half that was the screen and uh, i don't remember when i first ever saw a laptop funny that you say you've thought that since shelter though because it was actually today when i read this that i was like for the first time i was like I wonder if that was supposed... never occurred to me before, like, two hours ago. <laughs> it, it didn't explicitly occur to me. I don't want to claim that it did. It's just that as I was reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what a computer is in, in Mobius, and this is the latest version of that, I suppose, yeah. But uh, no, now that you bring it up, I think probably in the script it was computer monitor and Casanovas just didn't know. and Just didn't have the ref. Yeah, and just went, oh, cool, I'll make up a kind of computer. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. No. In the slightest, but it's that use of the word monitor. Mm. The fact that it's a monitor at all, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you got this mysterious traveller character who comes in and he sets up his little trick and Tails is getting all overexcited and <laughs> he jumps on it himself. Which is, uh, it's better than when he's going, oh, I wish Sonic was here, right? I'm no hero, isn't Gosh, it? it's so much better. This is Tails the kid who idolises Sonic. This is Tails who's, who, who leaps into action. Yeah, to try and be like Sonic, granted. He makes decisions and leaps into them. Yeah. Look at yay! If I become as cool as Sonic, I can help him more often. Yeah. So he's explorative. Is that the word for that? He's excited. He's yeah. He, this is a good little take on Tails. And then and then he lands in the misery zone. Now, in the last few issues when we've had Casanovas on Tails, I've been saying I want to read casanova's just doing fantasy comics and that's what a lot of this issue is right is it a coincidence or what i don't know or did they specifically pick him for the strip because once again it's a great showcase for his ability to do this stuff look at these awful monsters he's drawn in the zone because what the misery zone is is just a kind it's well hell it's hell yeah and tails lands in hell <laughs> and casanova's has drawn this this sort of rockscape of you know, sort of mountains that look as if they're melting, mm. going off into the distance with great holes in them. And pterodactyls, monsters with all sorts of bits and bobs. One of the, the, the most creative thing in this opening panel of The Misery Zone, which I absolutely love and I don't think I've ever seen done anywhere else, is there's a monster that's got all sorts of appendages that are tentacles and claws and all sorts of stuff, but his tongue is a tube, <laughs> like a bit of gut. Ooh, that's fantastic! <laughs> 
They look great. I think the design of the actual apocalypse... No, it's just, it's just called the monster, isn't it? The titular unbeatable foe, this monster. It's not particularly exciting. In fact, I think it's probably the least interesting of all the creatures he's drawn in, in the comic. Yeah, it's odd that he's gone with that for like... Yeah, here's the worst one. Here's the most monstrous thing in all of the Misery Zone. Really, it ought to have been something like that one from um, early Kid Chameleon. Remember that? Ooh, yeah, that amorphous non-Euclidean creature that took up a whole page. But instead, after we've been shown this thing of tubes and suckers and claws and teeth and so on, uh, among others, what we get is just a bipedal lizard, really. Dragonman. Yeah. Yeah. Who looks a little silly in profile. Uh, Yeah, and he's not very tall, even. He doesn't look much bigger than Sonic, particularly. Maybe about a uh, head and half a torso taller than uh, the Traveller himself, who is, like, people-sized compared to Sonic. Yeah, it's just a little bit. So it's about the size of a bear or something, if yeah. it stood on its hind legs. And it's an unbeatable foe, but you can knock it out with a spin attack. <laughs> yeah, or knock it over, at least. Knock it over with a spin But attack. then I do like that gag. There's something very Looney Tunes about that. Sonic spin attacks the monster, it falls over. Sally goes, yay for Sonic, the monster's down! Monster gets up, it's up again, right? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, close it, close it, close I, it up again! That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. <laughs> Open that bridge, varmint! Open it, I say! Close it, close it, close it up again! Exactly the same thing. How can that possibly be what we both compared this to? How? <laughs> you know, and we get like some of the lines are a bit cringe. Sometimes they don't work quite. I mean, this is what Stringer's third issue. He's still feeling it out, you know. Yeah. So, but then there's some lines that aren't so hot, you know. And then, uh, but then there are some lines that are tremendous as well. Where Tails is uh, running through the. We get a little cutaway to Tails navigating the terrors of the misery zone and he goes i get the distinct impression that mysterious traveler was fibbing about that monitor (laughs) (laughs) or or after good old tales after the monster gets up and it's all and it bashes the ground and sonic goes okay you're invincible but are you happy yes i love that line that's (laughs) That's so good who's so good at this and I think at the time, I'm going to hold my hands up, sorry Lou, I didn't recognise that at the time, because I was after Metal Sonic, and here we were back to normal, you know? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, we. I mean, we are just off the back of the most epic Sonic story that the comic has ever told. I don't judge my past self for maybe not being as excited about this, but when you look at the actual talent on display, yeah, and you step back... the like, craft of it. So much, like, so, like bring him down, like... First page, guy turns up, whole premise stated. Second page, Tails disappears to the misery zone. That all happens in a page. Monster turns up. Sonic finds out that the monster is physically invulnerable. Has a bit of a fight. Then we cut back to the misery zone for what Tails is doing there. Then we return for Sonic fighting the monster again, still finding he can't beat it. Then there's more fight, and then Sonic outwits the creature, and then he sends it back, and then Tails comes back. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. There's not a panel wasted. Yeah. And also, of course, of course, props to Casanovas also for fitting yes. this all in. Um, most creative moment thereof probably being page four, where we do have the cutaway of Tails back in the misery zone doing his the distinct impression the traveller was fibbing stuff. But 
it's almost a cross layout. So you've got the middle of the page has sort of behind it, it has this long stripe of panel where Sonic is running up to the monster, the monster is taller than him, and then you've got the traveller on the other side. And so that means the panel is like left to right across the page, but then up for the height of the monster. And to the either side of that is where you get the top row of Tails having his adventure with this, you know, middle background panel poking up in between. Very, very cool use of, of the layout there. Great stuff. This is a great one. I like the panel of where... So at the very end of it, um, whenever Sonic twigs how to get rid of the monster, he can't beat it, but he can send it back. The Traveler's like, oh, dip! No, unleash your apocalypse blast! Destroy everything, your little last resort. But just as the monster does this, Sonic hits him with the monitor, so he reappears in the Misery Zone, unleashes the blast there. I love this panel of of the oh, Misery yes. Zone. Not the first <gasps> panel. The first panel is great, but the second panel of the last page, yeah, where it's like the Misery Zone. Another one. It looks like it's essentially collapsing into a singularity as the apocalypse blast eradicates everything. And the caption yes. says, looks like the Misery Zone will have to be called the Missing Zone from now on. Waka waka. <laughs> hey! What we're looking at is essentially like, because this monster is sent through just as it unleashes its apocalypse blast, in the foreground there are mountains crumbling and being sucked up. They're crumbling upwards and inwards and roundwards and leaning over and getting sucked into this vortex of lightning that all goes down to a single point of light. Oh my word, what a cool image that is. And uh, we close out, actually, on the third in the last couple of issues of a series of panels we're overly familiar with from being shared around on social media by people who didn't read this when they were kids. One of which we've covered, in fact. So, And as I was looking at it, it was like, Wait, is this a reused panel? Yeah. It's just no, we just discussed it probably. I, I, I'm sure we've just, I don't remember if we've discussed it on the show, but we've, we, I mean, we've talked about this phenomenon. And there, as I said, there have been one or two in the last couple of issues. I think this is the third just out of the last couple of issues. And the fourth is next issue. So uh-huh. it's really weird that some of the most famous panels like this happened in a very small clutch of issues all at once, which were still whenever a new writer was... Anyway, point is, the panel is Tails reappears, uh, and he says, Sonic, you saved me! And Sonic says, actually, I was saving the Emerald Hill Zone. Saving you as well was just a... And then Tails gets a sad look on his face and goes, a bonus? (laughs) And then Sonic goes, not when I think about it, no. And to be honest, I never read that panel as Sonic having a go at him. Oh, yeah? When I was a kid, and I'm still not sure what the intended reading of it is now, was that Sonic was saying, no, actually, you're all right. I I did not mean to diminish you as a person by saying that you know i don't read that as him saying no it's not actually a bonus that you're alive oh right i read that as sonic saying you know it's not just a happy side effect it's more than that he's not saying that it's less than a bonus he's saying that it's more than a bonus well i do read it as the base reading uh, a bonus not want to think about it no but i just don't mind because that's how british men joke to each other um, I mean, yes, there's so, a, there is also that, and there that that's a that <laughs> in many ways is a is a key misunderstanding. Yes, in Americans and younger people about uh, I don't know, maybe young Brits don't talk like that anymore. I don't know. I don't know, but we did. <laughs> yeah, 
It's just bounce. Yeah. But to be honest, as I say, when I was a kid, didn't read it as him insulting it. Read it as him taking it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's pro- Yeah, so <laughs> well, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and then we have a caption. Oh, yeah. Traveler runs off. Sonic says, let him go. The only really unbeatable guy around here is me. Iris out. But then, yes, I mean, the, uh, in the bottom right quadrant of the page, that is the least interesting thing going <laughs> on. <laughs> because we have a caption, and it says... Next issue, enter Knuckles. Oh, oh, I shall be glad to. No, wait. <laughs> to enter Knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Buy him dinner first. Refuse Oh dear, it's a sport. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, two out of three, sort of. I mean, we got uh, yeah. RBI Baseball 94 and World Cup USA 94 for the Mega Drive and Combat Cars for the Mega CD. Combat Cars being the more interesting one because it's a sort of uh, Micro Machines clone from Accolade. Yes. In the first review, RBI Baseball 94, from David Gibbon, we have the word recognisable spelt as recognise-able on one line. Don't see that a lot, do you? Recognisable. No. Um, Missed that. The gist of it is that RBI Baseball 94 is a baseball game, and it's fine. That, you know, it yep. seems to be all right. They've done some rotoscoping, which isn't even all of that exciting anymore. That's been done before. In fact, they say here that it was a technique used in flashback. I enjoy the honesty of the review where it says, yeah, nobody over here knows what baseball is or who any of these people are yeah. or any of this yeah. stuff. Interested in what it means here when it says, for some reason, a crazy ball option is included, which allows you to exchange the normal sound effects for frivolous ones totally pointless i tried looking this up and i I couldn't find a single video about it (laughs) i just couldn't find any examples of it at all just people playing the game like normal so oh well so it seems to be a perfectly good baseball game combat cars yeah it's just micro machines but not set on a table that you're just supposed to imagine that they're normal cars and then we reach world cup usa 94 I'm sure we've seen at least in a preview or something of this in advance because maybe it's just because I recognize the Doug mascot from uh, yes from the news zone but I I had to let out a nice sharp bark of a laugh when I read the final <laughs> line of this opening paragraph where reviewer Jenny Fromer says that this game is a rare feat <laughs> first achieved by Winter Olympics a game with a good sponsor but that's totally naff <laughs> and I'm like what a game licensed and sponsored <laughs> about a pre-existing property that's rubbish and this leads me to my point because okay so Jenny never f- heard of such a thing <laughs> because Jenny Fromer, we remember, coming in because mm. she had a, a more interesting style than some of the other writers. Yes. And again, she has here. She's very honest about it. She obviously knows all about football. She's able to chat on about that all the way through. And in fact, she gets to the end and goes like, the fact that I knew about football didn't help me with this game because... Uh, it's, it is you know. particularly disappointing that the gamer's knowledge of World Cup football has absolutely no relevance. And yeah. She's proved to me, as far as I'm concerned, that she has that knowledge herself. Now... 
Jenny here is trying her hardest to give this game a bad review, and she makes herself very clear. Right. But someone has overruled her and given it 80%. Right? That's not even in the bad numbers that you're allowed to use. No, no, that she's been overruled there, because no way does this review then that same person goes 80%. Yeah, she might have given it 70 and they were like, nope, and changed the first digit. 70 is down in the bad numbers. Yeah, she's not saying it's an awful game. She's just going like, ah, well, I didn't really like it. It's not really intuitive and I know more about football than it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I wonder who, uh, who went in and did that. I don't know. I mean, you do wonder, like, we know that Sega weren't very iron-fisted when it came to Sonic the Comic, or at least as far as the Sonic strip went, so it does make you wonder about the uh, the rest of the comic, though. I mean, were they under some count? We don't know. We never, we've speculated about it in the past, whenever certain reviews will never go that low. I mean, we've seen at least one thing get somewhere in the 60s. I don't remember what it was, but, uh, yeah. This was the first time where I looked at it and I thought, something's up there. Yeah. This number does not match the tone <laughs> of the rest of the review. Yeah, and in the Raves and Graves, Raves is easy to pick up, easy to play, and Graves is, we've seen it all before. Hmm. Mm. Curious. 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 Just a this is a full-page advert for Marco's Magic Football. Um, there's only ever been one drawing of the character Marco ever drawn. It seems. Yeah, doesn't it? So here it is again, processed uh, another one. There are three ways of processing it, and you can see two of them on this page. The uh, the page is dominated <laughs> by the, the flat-coloured, clip-arty-looking version. Then you've got the cover, where they've, you know, coloured it up with some uh, airbrush effects and shading. And then, of course, there's the Magic Eye version that we had several issues ago. <laughs> couple of screenshots of the game here too but i mean what this is really an ad for is um a free limited edition marco's magic football comic that you can get from larger boots stores yes boots being a major chain pharmacist here in the uk yes consult a member of the game center staff and you will receive your free marco comic i didn't remember boots as having game centers back in the day no well maybe we didn't go to certain larger boots stores. maybe we didn't have the larger boots as no because I can very clearly remember where the games were in my local boots, because back in those days, that was one of the key venues for going and finding games, before there were game shops, Smith's boots, those, those are where you went. And um, well, Maybe that's those were the game centres then, within the boots. Maybe, but it was just one of the shelves in the middle of the shop. There's nobody attending it, specifically. Well, the... Um the games wouldn't have been in the boxes, though, would they? I imagine not, no. So, wherever they were kept was the game centre. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, so, the till, then, is the game centre. Possibly. <laughs> Unless you did. I, maybe you had to go to a certain counter to get them. Probably, maybe there was... I mean, yeah, they, they yeah, because there would be multiple tills in a big boots. Oh, in a big boots, yeah. And they wouldn't all have the games at them. Well, I, I do trust that a big boots may well have had a dedicated games area. Um, yeah, well, a larger boots, they've spilled... Larger boots stores, capital L, capital B, capital <laughs> That's what it's called. Larger <laughs> boots. And it says larger in the same font. Yes. And I interrupt this episode because when I was playing what I thought was going to be the final edit of this thing to IDW Sonic Artist from the Sonic Annual 2020, Abby Bulmer... Hello. <laughs> she told me something that I hadn't known, which was what? I remember the boots uh, um, thing. The, the, the whatever that is. What's it called? I don't know. It's like a thing. special game area <laughs> or something. Right. Well, I remember yeah. seeing those when I was a kid. Tell me what it was like. Okay. So it was kind of like um, a circular setup 
Uh-huh. You basically had different computer screens around it for like Mega Drive, NES. I think the consoles were set up under them and you could play on them. Right. So it was kind of like a little demo station in a sense. And they were all coming out in a circle. So you could stand yeah. around the outside yeah, in, yeah. in a circle playing these things. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I, I remember if we were going to go shopping in Swansea, and we might be going through Boots because Mum would want boring things. She would, yes. I'd at least get a little look at some of the video games. It wasn't in like the little Boots in town, but no, only in larger Boots. I'm pretty sure well, it was that's in the, the one. It in sounds Swansea. as if what that has done is turned Boots into a highlight of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was something kind of exciting about Boots anyway because they had those. Uh, I assume security things hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, the Dalek a bit like heads. Daleks. So, yeah, yeah. I think Boots was a was a highlight. Yeah, was <laughs> that Boots? That was where the Dalek heads yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. But like, gosh, I don't know how many shops would do this. But one of the demos was always Altered Beast. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I think it's they just gave them the- out. <laughs> Probably. Did it come with a Mega Drive pack, maybe? Probably. Uh, well, I bet yeah. when they were first giving out Mega Drives when they were new mm. for shops to have demo copies of so that they could establish them yeah. as a thing, that was the game they probably gave out with them then. Yeah, yeah. Dear artists, the Dalek head we're talking about. <laughs> Boots used to have these domes mounted in the ceiling covered in little camera lenses that would poke out and they would be watching you. I don't was Boots maybe one of the first shops to have, like, CCTV inside the shop or something. And they were really demonstrating, Maybe. like, we've got the heavy-duty stuff. Well, it turned out, they were just nothing. They were just empty. <laughs> Those were just camera lenses stuck to a dome. And I just like that it looked like a Dalek. It just looked like a Dalek. I didn't even really know what a Dalek was. It was just, <laughs> I guess that's a thing. It's yeah. a Dalek. I knew a Dalek enough that we had a clothes basket. Like a tall clothes basket. <sighs> yes. That was brown and, and plastic. Yeah. And had like little see-through bits. Yep. And I, when it was empty, I would stick it on my head and run around, run around. shouting "exterminate." That's so, the one. Yeah. Maybe, there you uh, go. maybe get yeah, if you mum will let you have a wooden spoon that you can stick out one of the holes and waggle around. Don't think I had that. <laughs> I would have liked a plunger, but we, I don't know if we had a plunger. No, and if you if you've got a plunger, nobody <laughs> yeah, you wants you to right, run no around the house with it. No one wants you to do that. No, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's my experience with the uh, Boots Entertainment Center right. thing. And was that presumably you could buy games at it because that was where you were supposed to reserve this copy of Marco's Magic Football? I don't know. I imagine that there was like a till nearby. Yeah. It always felt very Christmassy, you know. Oh. It, it like had the vibe of something a bit Argos Catalog yeah. about it, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Argos Catalog. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks Bye. for informing us. Now back to the podcast. Yay. You've got a picture of the comic here. You can see the front cover of it, and it's mm. done in a. A quite sort of... Um, Listen, that looks like some kid drew it. That looks yes. proper rubbish. It looks like it's coloured in with felt tips and, yep. and... Look, I don't mind that, but... That lettering is plainly misaligned in the box. <laughs> I don't mind that, personally. I still want this, so I went and looked on eBay and not a sausage. Hide no hair. So the search continues. If you have a copy of the Marco's Magic Football comic, which someone must have... Some. From larger boots stores. Yeah. Completely unrelated to the Marco's Magic Football strip that would come later this year. And so That's the oh. thing. That's why I'm interested to see it. You know, there's the fact that there's another version of the same thing. Kind of like how I was interested that there was this totally unrelated... Uh, Mutant League cartoon. TV yeah. adaptation of... Mutant League. Mutant League. Mutant League. Mutant League. Mutant League. 
Bring Me the Head of Coach Bricka, Part 2, written by Steve White and Brian Williamson, with art by Anthony Williams and Brian Williamson, and letters by Tom Frame. The Midway Monsters receive some unexpected help in their efforts to rescue the captured head of Coach Bricka from the Razor Kid, who has bet on the monsters to win the Super Bowl and isn't keen on losing. Um, there's almost no progress in this uh, chapter of Mutant League, really, is there? Uh, yes, I'm glad you thought so. Yeah, this is just them having fun drawing the fact that this sports is going on. And this is the sort of thing that I'm not into here, because I, I like the gimmick of the commentators, but hmm. kind of you need them, because otherwise you are literally just drawing punching and sport. And um, that's, what that's difficult done. to I, follow. I think future issues will get past this. If my, yeah. I mean, I only have vague memories of this, but but, I mean, the first page of the strip is just a big brawl with the two commentator heads catching up on on the events of the previous strip. Then the second page is Zalgor Prig and Doctor Wiz looking out of uh, their their little <laughs> evil mad scientist alcove at the army of robots that are being built down below as they then restate their evil goal from last issue as well so like basically no new information is communicated in two of the three pages that begin in the first two pages of this five page story yeah so that's not good use of your space you know just to be right off the back of a loose ringer strip in sonic that made not a panel wasted to have something that's just repeating stuff we already know. I mean, I grant you it's a serial and a, and a certain degree of recap is to be expected, but um, not two pages out of five. And then, for the third page, half of it is dominated by a pirate STC-style ad break. I, I laugh at that, but um, not after two pages of wasted time. I mean, we, there's a big spiky fist shooting towards Bones Jackson's head, and right before we see what happens, it's like, but we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> And then it cuts to Super Bowl 20. You see how they got the number for this? They got it wrong completely. In fact, it says Super Bowl 26 instead of Super Bowl 24. Oh, Super Bowl. <laughs> got that completely wrong. <laughs> Sponsored by Diet Smeg, the paste of a new generation. We're back on that. Now, that's the yeah. thing. That Okay, and here I start to object. Because that was, to me, slightly shocking and funny gag in the first issue. We get it another two or three times in this one. It's like they've run out of jokes. It is. Well, it is the sponsor. Yeah, I know. For, but... uh, for, for this, so they do have to keep mentioning it. It's like to be true to the gimmick. That, that I don't is, think they uh, do. But, I mean, they, they do. But then they do add the little bit. Like, now with NutraSweat. Yeah, there's that. I'll give them that. But like the fact that we have that happening in an ad break and it's the repeat of the thing, it kind of reminds me of the Pundit Bandits. It's like something that was funny the first time. Here it is again. And here it is again. This is starting to feel pretty pirate STC to me, I've got to admit, because it's slightly trickier to tell what's going on some of the time. Not as much as pirate STC. No, not as much, but, I mean, it doesn't help that the four panels in these ads seem to be in the wrong order. Right, tell me about that. I was confused. <laughs> so, the layout of the page is, top half of the page, three regular side-by-side -side panels of sporting action. Bottom half of the page, three columns... The first two columns are a 4x4 four four grid. The third column is one long, tall panel. And it seems you're supposed to read it top left, bottom left, middle top, middle bottom, and then the right-hand yes. panel. Instead of... What you do. Instead of, like, the way you would normally read a yeah. grid. Top left, middle, top, bottom left, middle bottom. Yeah, because... And the way that we have this is that these are not four, but three adverts the first one is your diet smeg mm. i mean that's the sponsor message that leads out of the program into the actual ad break and then you get 
if you read it the way that Chris has just introduced me to, I was so confused I couldn't figure it out. It goes, are your parents poor? Is your life in the toilet? Are you a dweeb? Are you a dweeb? Why, yes, he is. There's a dweeb and he's getting some shoes. And it says LA Gimp. And I don't know why. I don't get that. <laughs> and then there's someone wearing LA Gimp shoes in the next panel. And it's and then do it, which was the Nike. Mm, the Nike slogan. The I mean, did we did we mention last issue? I don't remember that the paste of a new generation is a riff on the Pepsi slogan at the time. The taste of a new generation. Yeah. And then we get hit the hut, which was the, yeah, the, the, the pizza, pizza hut one at the time. I mean, because what this LA, LA Gimp ad is, is like the just do it in this case is smash the window of the shoe shop with a brick and steal the shoes. Oh, yeah. He's got a brick. Oh, that's a window. He's got a brick. Sorry, I kind of thought it was just like a poster or something yeah yeah so that's quite funny i like that joke but there we go <laughs> ma- made very confusing by the the layout there the, the panel layout yeah that's a very strange choice don't understand that yeah, yeah. they just kind of got that wrong which now by the way here I, I think i've been a bit harsh up to now i want to say i think the art in this is good oh absolutely yeah great cartoon it's really cool great nasty looking cartooning Somewhere between Kid Chameleon and Decap Attack. Yeah, it looks very 2000 AD. Some, yeah, it lives very happily in the 2000 AD family, this. L.A. Gimp, what's the joke there? What's that on? Um, I, that one, I'm not sure. No, me He's neither. a gimp. It's a funny word. It's like smeg. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the, a funny word It's a funny say. word of the sort that I'm like, oh, don't put that in. This is for kids. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Please. Gimp? That was flung around on the playground with alacrity at my oh, school. Well, yes, it was. And and worse. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and here it is. The Hit the Hut one, though, isn't a joke about this, you know, puke-covered pizza or whatever it is. It just says, the Deep Pan Gourmet Pizza Company Express Hut. So it's just a joke of putting together different pizza shop names. That's the name of the pizza shop, but the idea is that this is an advert sponsored oh, yeah, by there the Dukes of Hazard Slice of Puke restaurant, because the idea is that they genuinely want you to take out a hit on the hut, destroy the opposition, and buy from Slice of Puke. Oh! Which is why the image is of a, a burned-down Deep Pan Gourmet Pizza Company Express Hut. Uh, all the other competitors... Bombed out! There's a little bomb sticking out of it and everything. Bombed out, exactly. Yeah. I haven't been paying attention with this one. No, I was going to say, I feel like I'm having to explain all the jokes to you. You are. On this one, you really are. Yeah. That don't make them funny, though. <laughs> jokes are rarely funny if you have to explain them. True. I chuckle. I have a better appreciation for them now, but... Uh, but... <laughs> honestly, I was just going like, oh no, more Pirate SDC when I was reading that bit. But then the last panel is of the brief look outside the fourth wall as we cut to some uh, gentleman <laughs> at home watching the Super Bowl broadcast, uh, complaining, Too many darned adverts on Teller these days, as he munches on a slice of puke and drinks a can of Diet Smeg. And we have a classic, what I'm starting to think of as a major, uh, not catchphrase, what's a thing that they do all the time of STC? A major thing they do all the time of STC. Recurring beat. Uh, oh, a major recurring beat of STC, which is the thing said in a definitive American accent, but using a word they would never say. In this case, telly. Telly, right, yeah. <laughs> and this is, I was not fully sure whether to get on board with your reading of Sonic as always having the American accent. Now I think that it is, but he just says British words. And that there lies the confusion. 
That's just what they do in STC. Well, it's like last issue, whenever, you know, I immediately went for an American read on these commentators, but you went for a British one. That's right, and I should have gone back to that to remember the voice in case I needed to do it this time. (laughs) Because it's, you know, neither one of us is inherently right or wrong, but it's the sponsor messages that are so uniquely American-seeming to me that I can't go British on it. This feels American, yeah. They just, but now and then they... I mean, it is American football, so that's, they're riffing on that idea. They're actively mocking that. I think that a lot of STC, and I think this comes from 2000 AD, because remember, that's set in America, a lot of 2000 AD. I think... Well, Judge, Judge Dredd, Dredd is. Anyway, yeah. I'm not sure about how much there is. So I is. think that... But, and, and that was an active parody of, yes. like, fascistic American politics and policing. Oh, I ought to pick up whatever's going on in 2000 AD right now, actually. It'd be an interesting time to have a read of that. But um, I think that a lot of STC is written not with an American accent, not with a British accent, but with that thing where kids put on an American accent in order to, like, play act on the playground. I think that is the tone of STC. (laughs) And I think it comes from 2000 AD to sound cool while not fully understanding how to write in those voices. (laughs) And that's part of the tone of it. I mean, yeah, it's like that wife-beater-wearing couch-potato-fellow could be a proper, yeah, uh, you know, that's the thing. but it's the use of the word derned. That's very American. Too many derned, very American, adverts on telly, very British. In fact, even the word adverts is British English. An American would say commercials. Yeah. Too many derned adverts on telly these days. Then we return from the commercial break with uh, exactly the same panel again of Bones oh, yes. to get the... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's been redrawn. It's but, been redrawn, uh, yeah. It, but it needn't have been, because it's... it's. Yeah, it's not literally the same panel statted, but... It's yeah. so closely redrawn that he seems to have put the pencils up. It's the same, <laughs> and I respect that. And that's the moment, as described in the synopsis, where the Razor Kid intervenes and lops off the arm of the yeah, fellow yeah. who was but about to punch slightly him. Slightly ambiguously, I had to read it a couple of times, because we never see the lopping, we just see the, the fist on its way, and then a different angle of like the arm with the cut-off bit kind of half-off panel, and then a guy with big blades. But I think we've established I wasn't reading this very well. I, I was, must have been distracted with something else. I mean, the the blade is streaked with exactly, blood. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know. yeah, oh, you're right. I just thought that was shine. But you're right, yeah. This is my fault. The comic is perfectly clear. <laughs> I mean, on this point, but not on some others. I do, I do like I do like the artwork in, in all of this. It's got, a, it's got a edging towards Mick McMahon, sort of. The shapes of it, you know? which Nigel Kitching is from that school. Uh, yeah, there's a little of that. Yeah, you can definitely see it. I love the fact that they're able to just call a timeout on this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, th- this is technically sport that's happening, even though the idea is that they're, they're trying to chase after KT Slayer, who has the decapitated head of their coach. They're able to call timeout because this is technically sport. And at the moment, most of the people in the sport are just hired mercenaries who've showed up <laughs> yeah. for a brawl. Well, I mean, I think they're all, based on the name roll call that was given at the end of last issue, that they are are all supposed to represent members of the real teams from the video oh game. right so they are all actually other players oh, okay. of the sport and there don't seem to be much in the way of <laughs> rules for this sport so it doesn't really matter yeah. so they call the timeout and then we get the and with this timeout by the monsters let's look at how the game stands so far 89 confirmed kills including 53 innocent bystanders the lawsuit <laughs> meter is at 25 million and there's a dentist on hand for two loose fillings that's <laughs> 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 quality Oh. And then and then they follow it up immediately, like we, we pan over to the stands where all the bodies are lying and there's a concessions guy going about, hot dogs! <laughs> 
really quite warm rat pork <laughs> sketchings tapioca on a stick and this drawing here i just want to describe it a little bit because you've got at least two bodies one just hanging over the sort of the fence that divides the audience from the sport <laughs> one who's like dangling from just a chain with a knife sticking out of his back he's just hung up just strung up from the ceiling the one guy just sort of sadly walking away with an axe through his skull i feel, I feel he's slumped rather than walking right okay but um the actual like people watching are you know they're all there's a one with a rabbit head there's one with a sort of elephant trunk and loads of eyes there's one that looks like Nigel Kitching has leaned in and drawn him the big lump at the back <laughs> it does a bit doesn't it that does look like something from I don't know what it, it puts me in mind of something that I can't quite properly well, I think it looks like the guy from decap that we were talking about looked like something out of trapdoor He's, he's yeah, got there's the, a, yeah, the trapdoor actually was what I was. Yeah, right. I couldn't get there. He's it's got the door, upward yeah. pointing portcullis mm. teeth and the round eyes with a sort of consternation expression, um, <laughs> yeah, looking at us, looking out. Yeah, at yeah look, the kind of, kind of looking out at the reader. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> Feed me. <laughs> Lovely. I love the art in this. It's fantastic. Yeah. Then they're trying to put a uh, a plan together, um, and uh, Razor Kid decides to just go and get a tank <laughs> instead of following any kind <laughs> of game plan. Yeah, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> we end with. <laughs> Yeah, it is a terribly silly comic. Uh, it doesn't make the most economic use of its five pages, but when it hits, yeah, I it, think it really does. Hit. I think this particular one, even though I'm fairly sure this never happened, I would be far more satisfied with this as you know just part of a trade collection because then some of the pacing issue would just go away. Yes, I think we get past this um, trying to get off the field where everybody is in our way stuff. The serial, as I recall, it is it is just basically like a chase story where they're trying to get Coach Bricka's head back before Zalgor Prig can program his robots with it. But um, I remember some trying to get into the fortress type stuff later on in the story as well. So right, so we'll get past this. But but yeah, this is um, it's a little clunky, but when it hits, it hits. I can't help but wonder, right? The reason we have this strip in the comic is because Mutant League is a series of games that's coming out at the moment. It's successful. They've obviously partnered up with someone to bring it to us, you know, just in the normal way. It's in STC because of that. But we've talked a lot about how every time they're reviewing games, every time we've got features, it's all sports games. The Sega chart is dominated by sports games. Sports games are the best-selling games. I wonder if this is them going like, oh, God. It turns out sports are the main thing Mega Drive owners are into. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? I never you thought. Know? You can't do a sports strip. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I mean, apparently you can because Royal Rovers, Rovers has been going for as long as it has. But you couldn't do it in this no. comic. And if you did, I would have been very disappointed. Yeah, you would have been on the verge of dropping the comic. With Honestly, that. yeah. No, they've they've kind of gone for a middle ground with this one. I never really made the 2000 AD comparison, but you're so right. It's that same 2000 AD-ish approach where it's sort of parodying American attitudes to things through a British lens. That's exactly what this is. I say that as someone who has read precious little 2000 AD. I never managed to get into it because it was a bit like this to me. I was going in and going like, okay, I'm appreciating the, the craft here, but this is aimed a bit over my head for one reason or another, either because I was too young when I tried to read it or because it was a bit too... I don't know, interested in stuff I wasn't interested in when I read it, or, or something like that, you know, when STC was my level. But to look at, 
I don't know. Something about it make it, it just looks like the 2000 AD that I've seen, but maybe a touch sillier. Mm. I love it though. It's so interesting that I love it because it's not what I'm interested <laughs> in. It is a sports joke. Maybe you're learning that you are interested in some of these things hey. that you never gave chances before through the prism of Sonic there the Comic. Go. We'll get you to read some Chris Claremont X Men off the back yes. of the Eternal Champions yet. Let's do it. I'm up for it. Hey, Patreon bonus feature. But, <laughs> but it's still working. Sonic the Comic is still doing what it was designed to do, which is to. <laughs> That's true. Which is to, like, give a, a range of things to readers and hope that they get into the bits they're not already into. And it's still happening to me. <laughs> oh, look. Look what it is. Just casually. Just boom. Oh, out God. of nowhere. Here uh, we go. What we are looking at is, okay, we've got a usual two-page spread covered in, you know, the usual screenshots and articles and text and text. But there, badang, splodonk, right in front of our eyes on the left-hand side, so big that it doesn't fit in the article that it's part of. The best logo ever designed for anything ever. <laughs> it's the Sonic and Knuckles logo. Yeah. I it's in it's the black and white version of the Sonic and Knuckles logo here. The pure black, pure white. God, I love this logo. Uh and that is because anyway, the article here, or at least the feature column is Sonic and Knuckles. The Dream Team new Sonic game holds big surprises. Can't believe uh, it's time to hear about this already. Incredible. Really? I was sure... Sonic 3 is only just out. Knuckles isn't even in the comic That's yet. That's it. I was sure we'd have had a few issues of Knuckles by the time this logo is ever seen. Mm. My word. I mean, you, it's, it's easy to forget sometimes that they were released within the same calendar year, the two games. It but... is. Yeah. In fact, are we sure they were? Oh yeah, there was. Uh, it was Sonic Three was released in February, and Sonic uh, Knuckles was released like what in time for Christmas? I know because I wanted it for Christmas and got Mega Bomberman instead. God, but I do like that all they really know is that it exists because all they've been told is that it's backwards compatible with uh, Sonic yes. Three. That players will be able to, and this is a bizarre sentence, affect Knuckles's movements in Sonic Three. They don't know what it means. They don't know what it's going to do. They explain that backwards compatible means in basic terms it'll work with Sonic 3 and sometimes. And they speculate as to what it is. And it turns out they speculate correctly. Yeah. That it is a plug-through cart. That means you can plug Sonic 3 into it and using the circuitry in Sonic and Knuckles gain some form of enhanced gameplay. Absolutely bang on. That's correct. Yeah, they, they nailed it. Well done, Gary Penn. All this is speculation, of course, and STT will bring you more news of this exciting development as soon as you get it. But no, you were right. Well done, Gary. Nice job. <laughs> in fact, it's even it even says that rarest of beasts, a plug-through cart. And it's making me think, well, were there any others? Well, they were talking about the concept of it. Oh, yes. I don't I don't know if they've made any if they actually made any others in the same way that Sonic and Knuckles mm, were. I don't think I'm they sure did. somebody out there can tell us. Oh, yes. But they've been talking in the news zone about the idea of a plug-through thing for a while now, because you know, going back to virtual racing and the idea of creating a thing with a chip in it that you could plug through into which is what the thirty two X eventually evolved out of. Yeah. So we knew what the idea was from the past. They'd been talking about the idea, even though I think Sonic and Knuckles was the thing to actually realise it. What I also don't know is whether this was when the term backwards compatible was coined. It was certainly when it came it into gaming. Yeah. It may have That's the first time I'd ever heard it, yeah. Mm. It may have been a thing that was, you know, the I'm trying to think like what else would have had it, like you know Well, where do you ever hear it today except in gaming? 
Yes, but gaming have become... They've merged with multimedia machines to the point where I wonder true, true. if, you know... if Was there ever a time when Philips invented a new CD player, but it's okay because it's backwards compatible with normal CDs or something like that, you know? <laughs> well, you'd be pretty annoyed if your CD player didn't play your CDs, well, right? Yeah. you would, yeah. Well, yeah, you would. That's the key difference, isn't it? <laughs> Between games and every other form of friggin' media. Like, I'm not mad that my DVD player doesn't play my VHS cassettes. (laughs) Oh, I am. But I am pretty mad that my CD video gaming system doesn't play my CD video games. The one that annoys me is that, um, well, apart from the fact that you can't play music CDs on a PlayStation 4 that has a CD drive, what are you doing? Mm. Um, Is that uh, I have nothing, I have no hardware, including multiple Sony playstations i have none of those that can decode into 5.1 the sony native cd format saecd in which i have the war of the worlds reissue which theoretically had i an saecd player would play in full remixed 5.1 surround i don't know why they haven't allowed me to do that they haven't so i can only listen to it in stereo the playstation 3 or 4 doesn't do 5.1 sound yes it does. So why won't it decode SACD, a Sony format? Oh, it's specifically the format. Yeah, okay. I don't. It's an absolute mystery. I want to buy that That's Beatles Love one. album and listen to that in five point one, but I flipping can't. I'd have to buy a special CD player for it. Nonsense. And that's why <laughs> CDs are bullshit. <laughs> okay. And there was nothing wrong with two channels. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what else we got? Uh, Jurassic Parking. Here's one. We've heard about this one before. Dino Racers from Codemasters. Mm. Never happened. We've heard about this in previous That's issues. Right. And I'm surprised to hear it mentioned again. Yeah. Because we talked about it when we heard about it the first time. It never happened. It's due for release at the end of this year, but it never happened. No. Nope. And I know we've also talked about these Simpsons games that they mention, or at least Virtual That's Bart. Right. Virtual Bart we've covered before, and then there's an itchy and scratchy game. I looked this one up. Um, they say here that uh, Virtual Bart and Itchy and Scratchy are both released on the Mega Drive in September, with a Game Gear version of Itchy and Scratchy due sometime in October. But uh, Jonathan Frakes has something to say about the Mega Drive release of Itchy and Scratchy, haven't you, Jonathan? It never happened. It never happened. We made this one up. It's fiction. We made up this one. Oh, really? They didn't uh, come out of the manga? No. It's another one of those news zones. I think we do now have the ROM of what was supposed to be the Mega Drive version, because I'm fairly sure that's what I saw. I was interested to see that its title music is like if you didn't have the license to the Itchy and Scratchy title music, which they clearly have the license to Itchy and Scratchy, because it's A, really them, but B, it's even the same animation that they use on The Simpsons, of them standing side by side and side-bonking each other with clubs. But it's like... Like the notes are anything, but the rhythm is exactly right. It's the weirdest thing. (laughs) I did raise my eyebrow at this description. It's all presented in an anything can happen, but no one actually gets hurt cartoon style way. (laughs) That's not itchy and scratchy. (laughs) They get hurt. (laughs) Well, scratchy gets hurt. Gosh, uh, Virtual Bart does sound rather rubbish, doesn't it? It sounds a bit rubbish. It looks a bit rubbish. We have talked about it before, but it's just a sort of collection of short games where what if Bart was a dinosaur? <laughs> what if Bart was a pig trying to dodge the slaughterhouse? What if uh, Bart went on a water slide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if? What would happen if Bart went on a water slide? Well, I think it'd sound a little something. <laughs> unlike the, No. 
I carumba. And uh, uh, that's a typical Bart phrase, and other such <laughs> phrases are available to you. <laughs> oh. Speaking of the uh, 32X, yeah, um, first entry into the short burst section of quick hit and news bites is here's the proper name for this darn thing, which is that it is the Mega Drive 32X, because it's well, they've called it a bunch of different names in previous news zones. Mega 32, Mega Drive 32, Mega 32X. It's the Mega Drive 32X, and there's a picture of it. Batman Returns again. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to say about the short bursts. They're saying that a Batman Forever game is in the works, but there's no telling when it'll happen. It did eventually happen. But... Also, what they're saying is, uh, under the uh, subheading of computer conversions, Archer McLean's Drop Zone. Archer's chucked him another quid, hasn't he? That's right. We've heard that name yeah. before, yeah. This is the guy that they were like, he's going to be the name on all our lips. Like, no, I, I think he just seems to have paid STC to say his name a few times. <laughs> Um, Flink, I, I remember Flink. I don't think I ever played it, but I remember it being marketed at do the you? time. I don't uh, a I far do. cuter proposition, Psygnosis's Flink, mm. star of what is certainly one of the prettiest Mega Drive releases yet. Hardcore is coming from Psygnosis as well, another run and jump and blast for the Mega Drive and maybe the Mega CD. Did we look up to see if that actually came out on the Mega Nope, CD? it doesn't look like the sort of thing I'm interested enough in that I thought to look it up. <laughs> it just seems to be. And they even say here, it's just another one of these sorts of games. Yeah. And then speaking of running and jumping and blasting, Probotector is coming out for the Mega Drive at the end of the year. better known to artists as Contra. Yes. I don't see the enjoyment in those games, <laughs> honestly. Well, they were on the NES, you see, Chris. <laughs> I remember playing them when I was younger. Well, well, I mean, I mean, I have played them since th- via the NES Mini, and Probotector is on the Mega Drive Mini. No, and uh, no, I've never. It's not fun. It's it's just it's a it's 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 proper. Well, see how far you get before you it's die. It's a Mega Man, Chris. It was out on the NES, so we have to pretend it was good. <laughs> hey, Mega Man's all right. <laughs> Don't get on Mega Man's case. I like Mega Man. <laughs> I like the SNES one. Um, yeah, that that one. I, well, that's the thing. It's sixteen bit is better yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i have been playing the wily wars on the mega drive mini which is the original three nas games upscaled for 16 bit uh, yeah. yeah it's entertaining it's ridiculous that you can't shoot up but <laughs> <laughs> can you not oh, weird no 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 back is Back issue zone again. Um, nothing to say there, though. It's uh, not even any new issues in it, I think. No, I don't think so. No, just um, there, yeah. I'm far more yeah. interested in the facing page. The facing page. Oh, wow. So, the other day, total coincidence, the day that I was going to read this, in my Discord, somebody said, why do you British people insist on calling it squirty cream? That's disgusting. <laughs> Why don't you call it whipped cream? And we were like, mate, because it, it's squirty. We are about. <laughs> and then I opened this page and I kind of think I see what he means now. For this is an advert for Big Top, um, which I don't remember and I can't find anything about on the internet. Oh, really? I mean, I may be able to remember it, assuming Big Top. I mean, it looks a little familiar. Well,. Assuming Big Top, because it's Anchor Big Top, and I know hmm. that we had Anchor Squirty Cream in our house, so assuming it was all called Big Top. Yes, I can find Anchor Squirty Cream. I can huh. find that. I can't find anything called Big Top. Huh. But you see what you're doing there what? is you're calling it cream. What would you call it? Well, I mean, I would also call it cream. 
but you'll notice that this is Big Top Whipped Topping. Legally distinct from cream. Oh, yes, you're right. So I wonder if that yeah. is why this is Big Top, then. It's something else. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not... It's obviously not. It's not cream. You know what it is. It's that, it is that whippy topping, but the, the stuff that's not actually... You know you know the two. There's two very distinct things of, like, when you get a, a bun from the bakery, whether it's got cream in it or fake cream, as my mum would call it. <laughs> that whippy topping. Stuff like this. The squirtiest, slurpiest, silliest fun in a can. Ooh. They're really overselling squirty cream here. Yeah, you've got a man in a top hat and a cape, you know, looking like a magician. He's got a magic wand in his hand and he's reaching out. And he's a drawing, but he's reaching out with a photo of a can of Big Top, which had, by the yeah. way, it was styled, the lid of this was styled after a squirt of cream. Yeah. You say man, you're, he is an animatronic animatronic Sorry. he is an anthropomorphic blob of whippy. blob of whippy cream it's just that he's wearing a magician's hat on top of them his whippy oh you're right so. there he hasn't got the point and all of the text it's big top magic and use the secret code on the back to send messages to your friends and at your supermarket now and it changes color before your eyes oh that's the uh, free magic rule yes yes i didn't pack. get that right yeah because i mean the ad is really for the whippy stuff but Specifically, it's for the fact that there is a free magic ruler with every pack. Who cares? Well, that's what the ad is for. That's why he's dressed up like a magician. Oh, because it's magic, oh, I see. But all of these... Oh, Dave, I've just noticed his name. His name is Mr. Squirty. Squirty Bertie himself. Ooh, Squirty Squirty. Squirty Bertie. Yeah, that's why we call it Squirty Cream. No, it's not. He's called Mr. I mean, squirty, it's because it's squirty, squirty Cream. Because it's Squirty Cream. Because we call it Squirty <laughs> Cream. But I'm saying, it's just cultural. Yeah. But all of these pieces of text are, pre are presented to us on big white splats of Squirty which have squirted off in all different directions and splatted all over the page. And um, that's merely a set of facts that I present to you. I wonder what was magic about this ruler. Sorry? I mean, the, the ruler seems to have been magic because it, quote, changes colour before your eyes. Yeah. Uh, I presume that means it's heat activated or something? It doesn't say. No, it doesn't. It just says it changes colour. Mm. <laughs> I, I did, like yourself, initially mistakenly believe that it was referring to the, the whippy yeah, yeah. itself. Now, that would be fun. I'd have that. <laughs> That'd be fun. Imagine yeah. that. Squirt it out and you just leave it exposed to air for a while and it turns brown. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm not interested. I want it to turn blue or green. One of them. Yes, it would be one of the, one of the well, I was going to say one of the unappetizing colours, but brown <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the Definitely least appetizing, appetizing color. color. <laughs> One of the zanier unappetizing colors, like blue. Yeah, I don't find blue unappetizing in the least. Or purple. No, no, no. Give me, give me a. Do you remember blue drink? Do you remember blue? Oh, I don't even know what it was, but it was like Mum used to have blue for the uh, for the old. Um, uh, oh, what was it called? What was the machine that you could make your own fizzy drink with? Soda Stream. Soda Stream, yeah, the blue stuff that came for that. that was one of my favourite. Uh -huh. Blue raspberry. I'm sure it was, yeah. Oh, yum yum. <laughs> well, no, but I just, well, I mean, blue was the zany colour. Yeah. You know, because raspberries aren't blue. You're right, then. Not. But red was already taken by strawberry, so <laughs> raspberry flavoured things were just made blue. And everybody knew that that was weird. But it was, Or it's like whenever they introduced blue Smarties. Yes. Because it's not, it's, it's like we Very had pink exciting. and red and orange and brown and yellow, but blue was the weird new addition. Yeah. Blue is the weird food colour. Not least because blue Smarties also had sunglasses on, which made them extra yeah. weird. <laughs> Don't ever allow to escape from your mind. <laughs> Blue Sonic Curry. 
I've got a pack of it in the cupboard right now. So you've mentioned <laughs> it can't be safe anymore. It's been in there since we started this podcast. Oh, you're right there. No, but it's only sauce. It's like <laughs> pack. It's not. You don't get any chicken or anything. <laughs> Even then. But, uh, but yeah, blue is not an appetizing color unless it's a sweet or something. You see, like, I'm you very know. happy and excited that I have that pack of Sonic curry, but I haven't eaten it yet. So yes, it can't be all yes, that. Yes, yes, you're just excited to own it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that was the thought processes behind the colors we were using in our foods in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Moving Shall on. we move on? Sonic's world. Sonic's world. <laughs> Cam Mbert, no, Sonic's World featuring Cam Mbert, B-Dup. Just say barf, man. Sonic's World featuring Cam Mbert, barf, asterisk, Badnik Army repair functionaries in No More Mr. Nice Bug, part one. You left out half the title. Did I? Yeah, yeah, you skipped over the line above Badnik Army repair functionaries. Oh my god, you're right. This, this... Look, this title is literally one, two, wow. three, four, five, six, like seven or eight lines It's a long. cluster title. It is a mess, and we haven't even started the strip yet. Take it again. Leave that in, Sam. <laughs> you got it, boss. I, I'll, I'll Leave all that in. <laughs> I'll just read this out so we get through. Okay. Sonic's World, Cam and Bert. No? No, I see I got it wrong. Sonic's World featuring Cam and Bert, Barf, Badnik Army Repair Functionaries, Search and Repair Operatives in No More Mr. Nicebug Part wow. 1. Written by Mark Isles, art by Mike Hadley, colours by John M. Burns, letters by Editor Fell. Sonic tries out a new weapon designed to reprogram Badniks into Nicenics on a group of motobugs, but all it does is reduce the robots to scrap. Soon, Robotnik's Badnik Army repair functionaries, Cam and Bert, the engineers who repair and maintain Badniks, arrive to fix the damaged bugs up and discover that reprogramming has worked, infecting the destroyed robots with a Nicenic computer virus. They repair and deprogram the motobugs, but it turns out two of the Nicenics have gotten away. When I say that STC had a great love affair with the asterisk <laughs> in the footnote, this is what I'm talking about. There's literally an asterisk <laughs> in the title of the strip. And the footnote explaining what the asterisk thing means, BARF, B-A-R-F, stands for Badnik Army Repair Functionaries, is there in the title. Yep. Then, on the first page, where the title appears, when we meet the characters, the first mention of the word BARF in story is again given an asterisk, and a footnote explaining what it means. Yeah, and the text of both asterisk explanations are exactly the same in the title and in the comic on the same page. Yep. Okay. So the problem with this is that this is not what we thought we were getting. No. I mean, well, no, that's one of the problems. It's probably the biggest problem with it when we were kids going in. We were told we were getting more secrets yeah. of Sonic's world. Exciting. And, I mean, in a sense, we've got the answer to the question, who deals with the badniks anyway who fixes them up when sonic smashes them What's, yeah who builds and maintains the badniks so that's we're introduced to those characters and that's not bad on that level i can see why they think that this is sonic's world and i can see why it's a good and interesting idea what you've got is it starts with a normal sonic adventure of him just beating up some badniks and then he leaves and then we cut to the basically the working class mobians whose yeah. job it is they have been hired by Robotnik and his industries to just fix the stuff Sonic breaks. That is 
interesting. The problem how is the the, the if I well you you say what your problem is and I'll say what my problem. The problems is. are many. Number one, as a child, I found this tediously boring. Perhaps because I you know was 11, 12 years old and wasn't interested in the stories of cleaners cleaning things up. Mm. But honestly, my main problem is how they're drawn. Uh, that is bad. My problem is it's a one gag strip idea. Yeah, it's not a serial idea. Yeah, that's the thing. We get to we're, we're going to have to sit through a whole series of this. I think it's only three parts long. Oh, sure, maybe four. But yeah, it's a single gag strip. It's about answering the question: Who really does take care of the bad nicks anyway? And it should be a simple, funny day in the life strip of the two yeah. custodian. Uh, working class people, Mobians, who take care of that. That's all it needs to be. If this had been the first episode of Series 2 of Sonic's World and the second episode had been another, you know, Rosencrantz, Gilderstern, behind-the-scenes-type yeah. thing going on, you know, if there had been, I don't know, something about the Badniks, say, or something like that, or Grimer, or something like that, yeah. that would have been quite interesting but no we're going to have to sit through a more than one series about these two unpleasant yeah. to look at boring characters and you know it's funny it occurs to me we didn't mention it at all during the last tale strip but i will mention it here now which is that this is the third strip in the comic which is typically five pages long but in the case of tales and this it's only four well, We're getting fewer strip pages for our money. I guess that's now the new format, then. I'm not sure it is, because, like, Shinobi and Kid Chameleon and Echo will all come back. Mm. So, I don't know, we'll have to see. Unless maybe, yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe the third strip in the comic is just only four pages. Now, maybe it is a cost-saving venture. We'll see. I don't know, we'll keep an eye on it. It gives them another page for adverts, doesn't it? Well, it's true, because we do have this big, full-page whippy cream ad that seem. <laughs> out of place although, facing the back issues <laughs> although we also have in a moment another feels as if they were just trying to fill a page feature that's true we do we do we'll have to keep an eye on so yeah this is by mark isles therefore it is not so hot <laughs> as we have at this point ascertained his work on the sonic characters is not great and it's brought back a lot of the feel of that first wonder boy like honestly yeah. where people just sort of they just sort of say things they just sort of vomit them out into the world, and it's all kind of completely disconnected from other characters and everything else going on around it, you know? Yeah. And they want us to believe the word barf is inherently funny, you know? Yeah. I mean, they get the word in that the motobugs have been destroyed, they hit buttons on their chairs, and they do a bat pole-style descent down into the barf-mobile. And as they go in the barf-mobile, they go, ah, the, the barf-mobile. Barf and I always remember this, and it still is weird. I mean, first of all, before we move on to that second page, you can see that what was supposed to be a sound effect has accidentally yes. been turned into a this caption. Is cat, cat, this cat. is marvellous. Yeah, as the, as the car takes off, you've got two panels of it, basically careening its way out of where they park it and up into yeah, the sky. Yeah, doing the old speed bug, you think. Yep. In the first panel, it's written out as cough, splutter, cack, 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 C-A-K, three times. And then in the next panel, it says, cack, 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 full stop, in a caption. Just, yeah. As if that's like... <laughs> a narrative caption instead of a sign of I like... find that so funny. It's not deliberate, but I think I'm no, going to no, put it in a comic. It's a f*** up. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the narrator is leaning in and going... Cat, 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 cat. Yeah, that, yeah. Just uh, reviewing the comic. Um, <laughs> so then, there's this sequence here. Two panels. The last panel on the second page. The first panel on the third page. Cam says, "Our mission is to repair some badly damaged motobugs." Bert says, 
Number three hammer for motobugs. And then as the ship lands in the next panel, the trooper badnik who's called them and says, the motobugs are here. It's like the phrase motobugs ceases to mean anything. Yeah. It's like, our mission is to repair some badly damaged motobugs. Number three hammer for motobugs. The motobugs yeah. are here. Especially, and that's putting aside the fact that it has lost all meaning by this point because these aren't motobugs. Of course, we haven't mentioned it, have we? They're buzz bombers, again. And this is a very uniquely Mike Hadley problem. He draws buzz bombers instead of motobugs. And he draws the weird buzz bombers we've talked about before. Um, You know, Dave, we didn't point it out last issue. We went looking for the picture of the buzz bomber. But if you go to the inside back cover of this issue, you'll see that piece of clip art again. Oh, golly, yes. Oh, I can see how that would have translated into the Yeah, it's the Buzz Bomber with their abdomen bent round firing the shot. And that's obviously the stock reference that has been used. And instead of understanding that it's an insect with its wasp stinger tail bent around, um, Hadley draws the gun as if it's something extruding from their belly. Yeah, as if it's just a sort of a bit of tube. But here's the thing. How can you look at that or any other piece of clip art of a buzz bomber and not conclude that it's supposed to look like a wasp with its tail bent? Like, it's very clear it's a wasp. Everything about it, its face, its little antenna, its little pincers, its wings, the fact that it's very clearly that shape. How can you misinterpret that as just being a, a, a random extrusion stuck on the bottom of its belly? And the pincers being, you know, misinterpreted as these mustaches. Yeah. Which is never so apparent as in this panel, wherever Cam taps into one of the racks and a face of the badnik appears on her screen. And it's got a big cartoon smile poking up out from underneath its pincers. So it just looks like it's got a big walrus mustache. Oh, wait, where's that? Uh, page three, panel five. Oh, weird. So it's just got a big grin on its on the ball of its face. Yeah. How do you do that? Does Mike Cadley come from a country that doesn't have wasps? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know what cats it is that he's hanging around that he draws Cam this way. <laughs> I mean, yes, because we need to get back to what you were saying about how unpleasant they are to look at. Yeah, okay, let's do that. So they are a sort of grinning evil cat type thing and an ox, would you say? Yeah, a, a, a bull, yeah. an ox. And they've got a beast of burden. I don't quite know how to describe what's wrong with their faces, but everything is. Well, there's nothing really wrong with Bert's face. It's just not a sonic animal face. Yeah, it's just a drawing of an ox or bull. It's, you know, it's the one-off bullseye, except drawn unappealingly, because it's got very very yeah. dark ringed, like very dark shaded eyes and little, mm. little white pinpoint eyes a lot of the time and um and he's got like big ungulate hands where he's only ooh, got yeah he's got two fingers like and a, a thumb but his feet are hooves yeah and then the other one i don't know which one's which uh cam cam is the cam cat the cat she's the got bird. that hideous metamorphia grin this rictus grin made all the worse by the fact that her eyes are like permanently shut like brock from pokemon yeah Unless you get a, a real close-up, in which case they're these little... In which case, I mean, she's very, down. very inconsistently drawn. Yeah. Sometimes she has pupils, sometimes she doesn't, sometimes her face is one shape, sometimes it's another. Like, on the final page, compare how she looks in the first panel to the second last panel. I've no her problem with is... how she looks in the first panel. That's It's kind of, you know, she's got her eyes closed, but in a kind of laughing sort of way, and then as the issue goes on... No, no, the, the, the first panel of the last page... Oh. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then compare it to the the panel just below it. I mean... Her head is in a different shape. Yeah, the first panel of the last page, it's like a cross between the What Me Worry Kid from Mad Magazine. (laughs) 
and sort of like one of the Riddlers or something. It's it's very weird looking. It's like a, a slightly monkey-shaped kind of mouth muzzle. And then in that last panel, she's like a cat stroke demon. And then look at this side-on view of her head on the previous page as she looks down at the computer screen. Doesn't even look like the same character. Oh, looks like an actual cat's head. Yeah, but, but crossed with that... But sort of a dog. Sort of also. a dog. Sort of that. You know that. You know that species of bat that's face looks like a dog. It's a bit like that. It, ooh, I just don't like it. Sorry, Mike. And this is without mentioning that their bodies are just otherwise completely normal people bodies. Yeah, but like weirdly ripped. Yeah, and done up in skin tight like outfits. I, this revolt. Sorry, Mike Hadley. It, they're unpleasant. This is gross. I think, though, that there must have been some kind of note about this, because in the second Camembert serial, she gets redesigned. Really? Yes, she is redesigned for it, to have a a proper cartoon cat face. Just because we haven't mentioned it, Camembert, that's a Mark Isles name. Yes, it's a dumb, double-barrel, twofer name that's a pun on Camembert, the cheese. Even though there's nothing to do with cheese here. For some reason. What's that got to do with anything? There's nothing to do with anything. Nothing to do with anything. I am looking, though, at Mike Hadley art from elsewhere, from 2018 mostly. It's great. So this, again, is another one of those situations where someone's just like, what do I do with this big-eyed children's blobby comic when I'm not supposed to be drawing like that? I'm supposed to be drawing Judge Dredd. You know, I mean, we've said it before. Like, he does all right on the Sonic strip. Yeah, a lot of the time. It takes a little while to smooth it out, but this is, and I mean, part of the problem is he's being paired with a really sort of weird, deadpan, disconnected Mark Isle script. Mm. Like, like, like here, I don't understand the end of this strip. They fix up the motobugs, off they fly, which I mean, again, implies the script is actively calling for flying badniks. Yeah. And yet is calling the motobugs. So this is more than just an art error, but never mind that for now. The trooper badnik who's called them in comes up and goes, two, full stop. Two missing, full stop. Two of the motobugs are missing. (laughs) Is he supposed to be stammering? Is he supposed to be confused? Is he supposed to be alarmed? Give me some punctuation, some exclamation marks, some gasping sound effects. What? What is he supposed to be? And that's not even the part that I don't understand, which is that he says there are two missing, and then Cam says, oh, you mean you let them escape after the Blue Hedgehog turned them into nice nicks? Right, so what? Did they fix them, and then they got away, but they were reprogramming them as they were fixing them? Did they escape? When when did they escape? Because what Sonic did destroyed the motorbikes. The way I read this... And this contradicts your um, uh, summation of the story at the beginning. I thought that they fixed the robots, but weren't able to reprogram them. And that's why, when she says, brilliant, the destruction caused by the blue adversary has been undone, that's why Bert says, yeah, uh, sure can, undone. Because he's stammering because he didn't successfully reprogram them. No, he's just a dumb guy, because I remember there's four flying yeah. off here, and there's only two nice next. Okay, yeah, weird then. Um... Yes. So it's in the gutter between that panel and the next panel where this trooper badnik finds out that two of them have gone. Yeah, because there is a time skip. There's a time skip oh. that we don't see. She says, Ratspit, it's going to take ages reprogramming bad behavior back into all those motobugs. Then uh-huh. Bert's like, ugh, horrible. And then it's supposed to be some time later they've completed their right. work. And she says, job well done. But there's no caption to say hours later or anything to convey any time has passed except for the fact that the motobugs are okay. now. And there's no clear explanation of how two motobugs cannot be 
bad again, how there can be two intact nice Nick motobugs. So you think that two of them have already gone by that? Yes. Yeah. See, I thought that it was that between that panel of them flying off and the next one, two of those go somewhere else. And are... It's a bit odd, isn't it? It's a bit tricky to tell what's quite going on. My best guess as to why the trooper is talking like that is that it's meant to mimic, like, sitcom disbelief. You know, like, two. Two of them are missing. Two of the robots yeah, are no, missing. Yeah, no, sure, no. He's supposed to be, like, alarmed yeah. or confused or something. I think it's supposed to be more... Confused. Two. Two missing. Right. Two of the motorbugs are missing. He's supposed to be Could saying be, yeah. it like that. But there's the, it's the complete absence of any punctuation, exclamation marks, anything to convey emotion. Is is weird. We haven't had to describe a Mark Isle script this way in a while, but like that first Wonder Boy, this weird, unemotional, deadpan, disconnected way of speaking. See, I think a good... Camembert strip that I would enjoy would be almost like if it was presented as a documentary where you're following these yes! people around and they, you know, Absolutely. sometimes they talk to camera but they're, you know, just being interviewed just off camera in like at the office sort of way Yeah, this idea is, these are the unsung heroes baddies behind the, the machines of the Empire. It's a tag and bink to give a Star Wars reference type thing. Two characters, kind of losers, playing an important role in the background, unsung heroes. That's what this should be. It's a one-strip gag idea. And they turned it into this and thought there was room for a second one as well. And there was not. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this STC's roving reporter Chris Jones hits the road to find out what you have to say about important topics affecting the video game scene. Because it's about uh, talking to the youth. It's the Vox Pops zone, is what it is. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. This issue, super hardware, new horizons, or costly mistakes. Yeah, because we've got a bunch of new consoles over the horizon, and uh, what they've done is they've gone into the basement of Hamley's where they had an arcade set up, and they've basically they've found you know four or five teenagers or kids who are prepared to talk to them and um, go on the record and ask them like, do you fancy these new consoles, or does it look like a waste of money to you? Or just the idea of because I mean these kids, this is the first time they'll be confronted with the idea of a new console coming out to supplant. A pre-existing one. And particularly one that some of them, because they're all sort of around the age of about 12, 13, 14, are perhaps going to be tasked with saving up for um, yeah. themselves. Now, just to put you in the in the moment that we're in, I'm going to read this opening bit because oh, boy, it really places this, us uh... in time. Mm. Holy Hardware Wars, an invasion of super consoles is on the way. It seems that every big computer and electronics company has lined up a new black box designed to take games into a dimension that they reckon will blow our minds. STC has already mentioned Sega's new wonder machine, Saturn, and the new Mega Drive 32X. But here's what else is coming. Atari's so-called 64-bit Jaguar is starting to appear in shops throughout the UK. And the much-vaunted 3DO system, with its super games, is expected this autumn. One of the biggest guns in the electronics biz, Sony, have announced their PS-X, brackets, PlayStation X, a CD-only multimedia gizmo. Oh, it was like a punch to the stomach. (laughs) PlayStation! (laughs) <laughs> announced Sonic and Knuckles isn't even out yet oh my god you're right <sighs> oh, Knuckles isn't even in STZ yet oh, and the PlayStation the PlayStation what oh god that's not how I remember it <laughs> why do we think of PlayStation as coming out so late when it must have been what 95 or something uh, yeah because we were teenagers at that stage 
Yeah, basically, we're kids now. we were still only. Uh, this is ninety four. I I was twelve. Yep, I wasn't same. twelve yet. Wait, no. What did they, when did this come out? August. I had just turned twelve. Yeah, I was. I was easily twelve by now. Yeah, yeah. God. <sighs> and do you know? Do you notice how they don't mention Nintendo at all? Oh, they, <laughs> they, they gotta mention. Gotta keep that out. Gotta keep the competition out. No mention of the Ultra sixty four. Mm. Is that what they called the? Um, Nintendo 64 before it was... In those early days. But my... i tell you why it is. It's because I don't think PlayStation caught on for a while after it was out. Maybe. And, um... Interestingly, uh, he says, about to share an anecdote that isn't interesting. Exciting. Engaging. Profound. It's time for your content. Dave's interesting stories. My earliest memory of that coming generation entering the zeitgeist was when I was on a bus and one of who I will refer to as the hard kids. <laughs> Those that liked wrestling and such. Yeah. Well, one of them said to another, are you getting a Saturn for Christmas? And the other one went, oh, no, I want one, but mum says I've got to have a PlayStation. <laughs> and uh, that's my memory of it. But that was like, you know, a while after this. And it wasn't until like the next school that I ever saw one or like heard of anyone particularly having one. So maybe they had a little bit of a drift into to taking off but anyway they're coming they're on the way and so we've interviewed some kids here um saying that look these consoles that are coming out they're at around 200 to 300 plus pounds for most of them and more for the games will people want them this is written with the idea in mind of it being replaced in the literal sense like you're going to have to sell your stuff yeah, and get to buy the, new the next one. one. Yeah, because uh, that's the first thing James Burroughs from West London 13 says. These new consoles are fine, but what do we do with our old ones and our games? You could sell them, but you wouldn't get much if all the new stuff was around. It'd be expensive to start again from scratch. Mm. And it would. There's, there's no two ways yeah. about it. That's what you're going to have to do. Welcome to the future, boys! Yeah. If you have the means, I would recommend not selling the old ones. Tell me these words can be sponged away, spirit of podcast of the future. <laughs> Many, I would go as far as to say most people, did sell their older games to get newer ones. Not necessarily right mm. now, but just basically all the way through the gaming timeline. I mean, we have entire shops dedicated to that premise today. And I don't know anyone who did that who doesn't regret it. <laughs> I, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking through some of these comments, you know, but, well, basically, everybody's up for it. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, Martin Willis, a 14 from Surrey, said he was interested in Sega's new console because he'd heard you could play cartridges and CDs on it. What's he thinking of there? Is he thinking of the multi-mega? Because the Saturn couldn't do that, could it? No, but do you remember we discovered a few issues ago that the Saturn was originally supposed to do that? And I think it may even have implied that in STC. Certainly when I looked it up, the cartridge slot that there is on a Saturn, which... there well, I, That was the Saturn. I couldn't remember if that was the Saturn or the Dreamcast. Never having owned either of the systems. Oh, that's a shame. The Dreamcast was great. I had a Saturn boring no sonic on it no sonic on it i think you did use the cartridge slot but just for memory expansions or something yeah. whereas yes it was supposed to it was supposed to be backward compatible with the Mega drive and then they just didn't do that and that's silly i mean I, the only explanation i can think of is that we're still trying to flog 32x's yep probably like there's no justification for it in the most part and it's still <laughs> as, it's as true today as it's ever been there's no reason that game shouldn't just be i can't i mean i can put ps1 games in my ps3 yeah. You know? No reason. Just do it. Just do it, you dicks. 
Rachel Wells, 12, from Kent, says the new games have so much going on that they're confusing. She prefers simple ones, platform games and others that you feel you can control. I relate to that. Some CD games just go past too quickly. I relate to that because at that time, this was when you had, at home, you had Sonic 3. And in the arcade, you had like Tekken and stuff. Do I mean that? Or or, um, Virtua Virtua Fighter. Fighter. And those sorts of games... Now, this comes purely from ignorance because I didn't play those games. But the reason I didn't play them is they looked baffling to me. I couldn't figure out how (laughs) you're supposed to control them any more than... Well, and I had the same problem with football games of the time, to be quite honest. But that thing of like, what actually am I looking at on the screen that is being moved and in what way and with what buttons? Because... It just, it, it all seemed so, the cameras were so concerned with zooming around and being flashy that it was a bit whippy for me. And yes, I, I had this same feeling that Rachel Wells did, where it was like, oh no, are we going to have to adjust to this? <laughs> Again, I did have to have a hearty chuckle at the way they close out this article, though. Oh yeah. Um, where, you know, there you have it. This new hunky hardware looks like it will be a big hit with you. The usual worries are price, which machine will be the biggest hit and a must-have, and the compatibility of your existing games on any of the machines, with only the Sega 32X system capable of continuing on a format, this machine looks set to thrive. Oh. Oh. They think the 32X is the one that's going to thrive. However, with all of the consoles screaming arcade-quality gameplay at us before the end of the year, maybe one or two of these machines will be hailed as the next-generation ace piece of hardware. Well, Face of the future? Mega Drive 32X add-on, a little caption says on the 32X picture. That question mark is doing a lot of heavy lifting. (laughs) Oh, you poor fools. Well, the hedging for me is the bit where it says, ah, maybe it'll be one of those other consoles. And of course, it was the PlayStation. Mm. So they've mentioned everything and gone, it's probably one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Support Sega, kids. But yeah, they put their money down on the 32X and um, that's a no. Just some adverts. Just Just some adverts. It's tough at the top. Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog 4. Four videos of Attitude. That's right, we are up to four VHS tapes being advertised all in a big tower here with Sonic and Tails poking over the top. We uh, skipped over the announcement of three, didn't we? We had ads for one and two, but we never had an ad for three that I recall, and now we're up to four already. Dave, I'm sure you must have been absolutely heartbroken to see that this did not include a list of shops where you could buy it. I can't read out a load of shops. It only says Woolworths, because what we have is a voucher that entitles you to one pound off the retail price of Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog 4 at Woolworths. Nowhere else, just Woolworths. And the offer closes on the 13th of October, 1994, just in time for Sonic and Knuckles to come out. Yep. Because <laughs> it said that was due out on October the 18th, it said in the news zone. It's just Woolworths. There's there's no no other names to read. That's an A-H-E video. Are they the ones whose logo went do 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 or was that Tempo? I was going to say that sounded like Tempo to me, but I can't say for sure. Well, there's a Tempo logo just to the left. Oh, so it is Tempo video after all. Well, there you go then. H-A-E is the yellow one that comes on after Tempo. That's why. No, there's nothing else to say. Although, weird discrepancy between the soles of Sonic's feet on some of these covers. Gee, I wonder if we can get into that later. Kill zone. Kill zone. Kill zone. 
Oh, this is the biggest, most skippable Q-Zone we've ever had yep. yet. It's part one we're of an Eternal Champion special, and if you've listened to our Eternal Champion special special episode, <laughs> um, then, yeah, this is just, they're just repeating stuff. Well, I guess they're not technically repeating well, it'll stuff. Be no, they, 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 they're giving some actual play style guides here. They list but all they the special say. moves and everything, but um, they do actually say, don't they, if you missed our special Eternal Champions yeah. special special, um, that, uh, that here's something instead. But no, um, to be fair, that did not include this playing against bit where they do actually give you some tips on how to how to fight the oh, computer controlled characters. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. So these are tips for if you're playing against that character yeah. rather than playing as that character. Yeah, that's actually yes, yeah, uh, quite overlooked in the special. Yeah, that's because the the way they broke it up as as profiles on the characters it would have been yes. would have been strange. But uh, yeah, nothing here yeah. that there's much to comment on at all. So I think we'll just nope. move right on. Yep. Yep. Into. Pirate STC. Uh, no credits on the page of this one, but it is obviously still written and drawn by Stephen Bliss with letters by Steve Potter. While searching for Gur and Bob, Sackhead, Flame and Dog come upon the Tronic Twins, former minions of Granny 8-Balls who've been imprisoned for disobedience. In exchange for their freedom, the twins lead the kids to 8-Ball and their friends. Meanwhile, at Fezhead's command, Skull recruits the Why Not Wifront's mascot, Why Not Wifront Man, sending him to rally the fighters Sackhead and Flame defeated and back up Granny 8-Ball. Yeah, no, I was wrong. This does not ever get more coherent, does it? <laughs> I entirely rely on you to help me out with these... Something about this, my brain slides off it. <laughs> yep, it just just your your cheese slides off your cracker. <laughs> Look on the on the very last page, second to last panel on the left. There's a character mm-hmm. who's literally just a blob with eyeballs bulging out of it at any That's random place. That's the ice place. cream monster. I know exactly what it is. Well, then just, what are you complaining about? I'm complaining about the fact that this is the sort of comic where like. That's kind of how people are drawn anyway, and it's just that this one, this <laughs> okay, one just is enough. like in, in canon. That's also what it looks like. Yes, it's an amorphous ice cream mass. Yeah, just like their amorphous people masses. That I've never quite figured out why. Like, I think part of it is that the whole the whole premise of this is that some of these people are from the real world, but they <laughs> yeah, look yeah. exactly and like their characteristics are exactly as weird as the ones that are meant to be from these nightmare video games. Now, come on, they don't look exactly as weird. Look at that first panel. That's what I'm looking at. How can you say that Sackhead and Flame look exactly as weird as the Tronic twins? They, I just, they just. They just do. Like, what's the they difference? They don't, though. No. Okay. The Tronic Twins are all head. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah they've got and, bigger and heads. The, yeah, I mean, yes, they're cartoons. You know, they're all <laughs> cartoons and they're all weird and exaggerated, but the, the, the people kids from the real world aren't remotely as weird as the actual You're right that they're creatures. not as weird in the sense that, yeah, the, the creatures have eyes poking in all directions and their eyebrows bulging off their heads, but the real world kids that we're talking about one of them's main characteristic is he's got a sort of hat stuck over his face, and another one's head's on fire. He's not on fire, it's his hair. Okay, but it's coloured like fire with yellow and yeah, red Yeah, that's in, why inside. his name is Flame, but I know people who have their hair dyed to look like fire. Oh, sure, dyed to look like fire. That's a different thing, yes. Um, and one of them is this chicken. Um, like... And one of them's in Y-fronts! And he's got... And you can't see either of their faces, because they... they they're, 
They're really weird. Yes, but Chris. the Y fronts are the Y fronts are a power up from the video. Oh, game. that is true. He yeah, didn't yeah, come yeah. into the he didn't come into the world wearing. <laughs> well, no, none of us did. Yes, we didn't come into the world wearing Y fronts, but God willing, we'll leave it wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> I have trouble reading this. It's so. I'm sure I had things to say about it. Let me read it again now to try and try. And... <laughs> I'm just waiting to. Yeah, okay, I mean, like, okay. I how about this? If I'm trying to read this comic and I'm trying to figure out what's happening in it, and I hit upon someone who this is the the entirety of the speech balloon unedited. This is what it says: The Tronic Twins, Chronic Tronic for the troops. Tired of hanging around boys. <laughs> what you on about? What does any of that mean? Okay, breaking it down. The Tronic Twins. She's addressing the names. fact that these people are called the Tronic Twins. Chronic Tronic for the troops. What does that mean? Uh, not entirely sure about that one, to be honest. Is that no. like a slogan, something for the troops? I thought maybe it's a spelling where it was supposed to say Chronic Tonic for the troops. The idea of maybe. maybe being that they were her jesters or her form of entertainment. Okay, so she, so it's a tonic for the troops and chronic tronic because that rhymes and Steve Bliss yes. finds that amusing when things sound the same. And then tired of hanging around boys. <laughs> Go back to panel one. It's okay. perfectly sensible. Okay, okay. Uh, she strung them up. She imprisoned them by running hooks through ah, them and hanging ah, them up. Tired of hanging around boys. And they've been hang they've been hung up there got until Flame and Sake came and uh, cut them got down. It. it like you got it. Uh, you you finding reasons to not make sense. No, I genuinely thought she was accusing them of hanging around too many boys. Genuinely. I'm tired of hanging around there's well, no yes, cover. Okay, okay, that okay. Yes, that is a that's a. Type. I'm not being facetious. That is what I thought. No, it no, was. I got you. Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm with you. That's a typographical error. Yes, okay. It's supposed to be tired of hanging around, comma boys. Yeah, tired of hanging yeah. around boys. She's, she's referring to them, not yes. tired of hanging around boys. And had yes, I sorry, been paying okay, more I, attention, I would. I didn't get the... that's what you were saying, and no, I didn't notice the dropped comma. So we're both we both <laughs> have not paid attention. But I feel like I could have put that together more easily than I did. But yeah, um, so it's so now it's just chronic tronic for the troops that I don't understand. That's the way Steve Bliss talks, though. It's all little muddles of words like that. That little sound bites. Yeah, that are technically it's like, like I, he I writes like, in slogans. I don't understand any of this snooker chat, but that's because I don't know the rules of snooker. Okay, where's the snooker chat? First page, whenever the tronic twins are explaining. Um, they don't say what are they? one of them is named Psycho, but I don't think they name the other one. Um, Psycho is the pink twin, and I don't know who the flesh-colored one is. They don't oh. seem to give him a name. Is he called Chronic? Um, is he Chronic? Uh, Tronic probably for the not. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Okay. So the the dialogue here is me and Psycho used. Oh, to Oh, be... wait a minute. What? Do you remember that advert? Isotronic. I'll bet, I'll bet his name is Iso, and his name is Psycho, so they're Isotronic uh, and Psychotronic. Yes, you've got it, you've got it by... It is possible to make sense of this. Yes, <laughs> Steve Bliss's ARG writing, where you have, to <laughs> you have to gather all your friends to figure out what he's saying. Now make sense of the snooker bit for me, please. <laughs> So the dialogue is, me and Psycho used to be her favourites. She'd make her, uh, Granny Apple, she'd make us yes. play her own twisted form of snooker. Okay, I understand that. That's where we'd only get white balls compared to her load of black balls. If I got a white down, she'd get an extra shot and always pop the black to win. We complained, so she strung us up. Well, I know, I don't know much about snooker, but I know that the white ball is the cue ball and if you pocket yes. it, you lose. I think the black ball is like 
the best. You lose one. automatically. Yeah. I think the black ball is like the best one, or I could be thinking of pool here. Well, that's the last one you're. I think that. Well, aren't you in. This is. I mean, this is just us full on showing our asses. <laughs> Total <laughs> ignorance of the sport of snooker yep. live on air. Yep. Isn't the idea with snooker supposed to be that you pot the balls in order and the black one is the last one you pot? I think so. But isn't it also that the black ball is in pool and it's the best ball for some reason? Like, there's some extra I mean, it, point or something. I mean, the idea, obviously enough, is she made them play a form of snooker that yes. it was impossible for them to yes. win. Because they only had balls, so that it was impossible for them to pot, because they would lose if, if they If they pot a single ball, then they lose. Yeah. Whereas she only had black balls, where she would automatically win if she ever potted them. I mean, Sakeb does sum up my feelings in the very next panel we've had that explanation and then Sake just goes what's he on about yep uh, that sums <laughs> yeah, up my like response a, to the comic as well not a clue <laughs> snooker it's curiously it's a lot of words yeah. for anything in pirate stc to have that many words in a row <laughs> basically you know it's a, it's otherwise been very quick hit sound bitey as you say dialogue but, but yeah, that's weird. And then it's like Granny 8-Ball is like wondering where well, we've got Bob and Gurr in the ice cream mass. And she's all wondering where I'm taking you. Well, you're going to participate in my experiments. I need your puny brains to give life to my garden pea and 8-Ball extract. Hard human pea heads to infiltrate supermarkets. What? Not a f***ing clue. What? <laughs> Steve! Not even, a, not even a bit. No, no. Steve! And then, then, and then Gurr just goes, you're bonkers, lady. And it's like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. This, this, um, but I, I will say, it's taken until now before the characters have started to come out with stuff I full-on don't understand. <laughs> Five part. I mean, I can't believe we're on the penultimate part of this already. Yeah, that's that's weird. <laughs> but then you know, but then we get back to Fezhead just watching the telly, ignoring the thing. He's watching Mexican avocado bandit pundits. Yeah, that that again. <laughs> well, no, no, they're bandit punters. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They keep changing, don't they? Um, I think it was punters originally. Then it became mm. pundit bandits, and now it's bandit punters again. <laughs> God, take that, you Mexican avocado bandit punter! Just see, see, see that, but that's the thing. That's just funny to say, so I laugh at it. And that's that is said by a cartoon sliced in half avocado with a Mexican hat on. I I don't know what makes you a punter. I I don't know. It doesn't matter. Apparently, he's not one. <laughs> no, I mean that's somebody shouting. Oh, that's somebody that's, off camera yeah, shouting somebody that because they're yeah, shooting yeah, yeah. him. Like there's a there's yeah, a yeah. bullet flying towards him that hits him in the mouth in the next panel. I'll tell you what I will admit here is that I've now realised that both of the lines that I full on didn't get what was being said are both said by Granny Eight Ball. So fair enough. If she's just meant to be the one that's mad. Well, uh, yeah, but the other one did make sense. That was just badly punctuated. Well, one baby did, but chronic tonic for the troops is still a mystery. Well, yeah, I think it's supposed to say chronic tonic, and it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, okay. Then what does that mean? Chronic tonic for the well, troops. Know, to me, well, she, it just well, chronic tonic just rhymes. But you know, to be a tonic for something yeah. is to soothe someone or yeah. something. So I get the and the fact that she chummed around and played games with them. I feel like they were her jesters, her entertainment. Okay, so, but how are they a tonic for the troops? Who are the troops? Like, well, presumably she has troops. These ice cream things. <laughs> the ice cream guys, her. yeah. But they're fine. They don't need these guys. They're not a tonic for them. You don't know. They might get sad. <laughs> <laughs> they might. 
I don't know. I don't get it. No, well. But I, I do don't, like why not why front man. But I don't hate it. It's it, I'm not I don't know how to really explain what my feeling about this is. It's like I don't it's like going it's like the weird art on like dodgy carnival rides or something where it is it's so much like that it's not a bad comparison at all <laughs> where you look at it and go like well that's all wrong but i kind of love it for some reason <laughs> i mean i i like i like bringing back why not why front man where we had we glimpsed him in the first part and we saw fez skull's ability to snatch things out of ads and move them to other places yes so that is a premise that eminently makes sense and ought to work and i ought to be able to follow it and it's it it, it makes me doubt myself that i find it so hard <laughs> <laughs> well this bit this bit makes enough sense because he goes into the ad for why not yeah. why fronts snatches up the guy they reprogram him or they program him and they send him in and he he rallies together all the fighters from the tournament in the last couple of issues there's a great example of things that are just weird sounding and therefore funny to say whenever the fighters are all sort of licking their wounds quit shouting at me i've got a headache where'd those kids go this this um this one who's a parody of vega says i'm gonna rip out their nissel hairs and feed them to my pork belly pig and it's like that's just yeah that's just a, a collection of silly words together yeah I, at least i understand how he came to them because you know pork belly yes. and then is a pig like i get it i get it i don't know why why not why front man I feel like he talks like Sylvester Stallone. Mm. I don't know why, but it's like the slogan is "Why not bust man? Eh? Not so fast, you geeks." Uh, <laughs> I, don't know why. I don't know why. It's just where I where I go with it. Next, anyone for tennis? Definitely digestive. You need to boost your sugar levels after that. That's it. <laughs> I'm exhausted. That I think is the key difference here. Is that. Pirate STC exhausts you and simply washes yeah. over me. Like, it's not the same experience in either way as reading anything else in the comic, but I just I just I just no. roll with the waves of nonsense, whereas <laughs> you are battered against the rocks by them. Yeah, and it's but it's this specifically. Other nonsense I'm very comfortable with. You know, I read a whole zig and zag book. Hey, <laughs> You 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 watch what you say about our precious national treasure, <laughs> Zig and Zag. I'm being complimentary, though. It was a very good book. But it's definitely nonsense. And, like, this is... Oof. Well, I read a Wackaday book. <laughs> Shall we move on to Speedlines, then, and let your poor brain be? Let's... Speedlines! Interestingly, we've got two letters here from Diffid in Wales. I don't know how to pronounce Diffid. D-Y-F-E-D. We've got a Sarah Owen and we've got a Cheryl Hughes. wonder if they know each other. Write in if you're out there. <laughs> Sarah Owen has covered her peeling wallpaper with the big poster from issue 28. 28, wasn't it? 29. Oh, well. I, I mean, I'll nitpick it. I mean, it won't be the most nitpicky thing in this <laughs> latter speech. <laughs> yeah, and Megadroid replies, of course, Sarah, your disintegrating wallpaper was the reason behind the free gift. Very kind of him. Literally. Hey. It was behind I the free gift. Yeah, you get it? Yeah, points. And then the other one <laughs> from that same area of Wales is uh, Cheryl Hughes who writes, Why is it? And I've heard similar complaints from my wife. <laughs> Hold that thought, wait and see what I mean. <laughs> Why is it that on Sunday mornings, Sonic fans in England, brackets, and Scotland, get to watch the cartoon version of Sonic the Hedgehog while us viewers in Wales have to watch a silly puppet show called 
And then it's Slot Sul. We don't know how to pronounce that. S-L-O-T-S-U-L. A Welsh-translated version of the Sonic cartoon would be much better than the current programmes. We looked it up. Nothing. Can't find it. Nothing. Lost to history completely. If you Google image search it, what you get is a scan of this letters page. (laughs) This is... Gone from time. Assuming it's spelled yeah. correctly. Nobody, nope. This not is the clue. thing. We don't know if it's spelled right because a child would have written this in their handwriting, maybe spelling it correctly, maybe not, maybe illegibly, then sent it in to Richard Burton, who I, I don't choose to imagine speaks well. She may, but he will then have transcribed it and may have spelt it wrong again. You never know. So who knows what it's actually called, but it certainly doesn't seem to exist under this name anymore. And then Megadroid replies, A multilingual Sonic, eh, Cheryl? Well, since STC is translated into Dutch, French, German, and Italian, I don't see why the Humes in control can't come up with a Welsh-speaking Sonic. As far as I'm aware, they never did. It never happened. But yes, um, Abby has uh, often told me that they... She, uh, I don't remember her saying that... It simply wasn't on. I'm pretty sure it was on, but just like a week delayed. Mm. Oh. I think so. I'm going to get her in. Hang on a minute. Abby, my Welsh wife, (laughs) uh, pulling a face as if I've roped her into something absolutely dreadful that she's going to have to do. No, I'm just asking this. Did you have any problem with Sonic being on? Because this person's written in to say that it isn't on in Wales, which I thought it was. Um... I remember it starting a week later. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. Yeah, like yeah. a week later. Yeah. This person's I, talking... Might have been on at a different time. I, I don't know. I wonder if Cheryl's written in the very first week when Maybe. it was supposed to be on and gone like, ah, it's meant to be on, and they printed it ages later when she would have by now retracted her comment. Because my gran used to tape it for me because I thought it wasn't on. Oh. But then it started like the week later. So, oh. so you were grumping and she was, was like, grumping. oh, Abby likes that. Tape, tape, tape. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I know. That's really nice. pretty cool. <laughs> right. okay. Thank you for that. And she has never heard of this puppet show either, by the way. <laughs> I asked previously. A mystery. Peter Hurd from Treadworth has uh, hay fever and can't go outside, so he's looking for a Sonic Water fun game to keep him busy. And Megatroid seems quite sympathetic because he says a couple of the humans who think they're in charge around here also have snot, sorry, have hay fever. You should see the snowman that's been constructed from the discarded tissues. So uh, Peter got his Sonic Water fun game. (laughs) A good chuckle was had with the last letter here um, where Daniel Richards from Keensham, Bristol uh, writes in to ask, how is it that on the cover of Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog 1, the soles of Sonic's shoes are red? While on the cover of Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the souls are white. And Megatroid replies, fantastically, (laughs) had a good laugh. Well spotted, Daniel. Why don't you colour in the souls yourself when you get a spare minute from all that nitpicking? (laughs) (laughs) What are we supposed to believe, that this is some kind of magic sneaker? (laughs) And that is as pictured earlier, because of course they're talking about the VHS releases. And yep, he's absolutely right. Yes. Absolutely right. Yes, I can see it. I went went back and looked. He was right. (laughs) Yeah. Wait until he gets into the uh, does he have a buckle or not controversy sometime later. Albert Lobo, fantastic name, from Cardiff and Wales, has sent in a picture of Wonder Boy. And then I got very excited when I read oh. the caption on Paul Wearing oh. from Yit near Bristol's picture of Chuck D. Head from Decap Attack. Because the caption says, if you can keep your head, Decap Attack returns in STC 34. What? 
That's an yeah, under-the-radar announcement, isn't it? Yes, please. Uh, yes, they said last issue that they would be tossing the coin and the results would be in this issue, yeah. and they just snuck them in there, not in the control yeah. zone at all. I guess that means it's taking the place of Pirate STC. Ah, uh, right, yeah. And it does. Yeah, this isn't wrong. Oh, yeah, no, it comes back. Yeah. And with that, we've more or less reached the very end of the comic. We've only got the inside back cover, which is the subscribe to STC thing yep the old uh, subscription coupon but uh, you know as much as i don't like it there i don't mind uh-huh. it whenever it turns out that the next issue ad is the entire back page yes <laughs> and it's a good one. Oh, baby oh. shockwave yeah enter knuckles is it a tremor is it an upheaval is it an earthquake no it's far worse Knuckles is coming to STC, and Sonic's in for the shock of his life. It's the story you dare not miss. And it's just a huge panel of Richard Elson art. So we knew Richard Elson was going to be drawing it so we could get excited. Um, Yeah, apart from a black banner at the top and the bottom, it's just a huge big close-up of Knuckles. Yeah. (laughs) Pink! We must stress he is pink. He is bright pink, as is the text saying enter Knuckles and the fistful of energy at the bottom... Yes. Yeah, it's clearly uh, just like a close-up on a normal-sized panel, so you're really looking at the, the brush strokes here. You can really, really get your nose right in there. Yeah, you can you can see where the paint has bled over the lines yeah. were zoomed in so close. Oh, it's gorgeous. Mm. Plus, Q-Zone Special, Eternal Champions 2, Strange Thing to Lead With, mm. Mutant League, Sonic's World, Pirate STC, and a great Halford's compo to mm. win a mountain bike. Why not? Oh, look at him, he's pink. This is you got yeah. right here on this page. You got two of the things people forget about Knuckles these days. Number one, he was pink. Number two, far worse. Knuckles is coming. He was a baddie at first. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's you know I hadn't even really processed that. I hadn't even really processed. No, it's far worse. Yeah, it's a threat. I mean, yeah. Here's the new baddie Knuckles yeah, coming. Yeah. That was what he was back then. He's a big threat. And yeah. Oh God. Yes, this is it. This is where we hit STC full pelt. Knuckles really is something completely different today. Yeah, to oh what yeah. he was back then. Totally unrecognizable. I mean, you, you know, we could talk for days, hours, weeks, months about the differences in the way Sonic the comic chooses to portray um, characters versus the way that they were concurrently portrayed in other media at the time. But Knuckles is probably one of the biggest examples of a character who is now, today, something very different to what he was in everything back then. And SDC definitely remains like my definitive vision of Knuckles. Well, you know, above and beyond how it remains my definitive vision of the world of Sonic, their handling of the character of Knuckles in particular is like nothing's nothing's ever done that better. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm oh god, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it so much. And it starts SDC thirty three, yes. a fistful of energy, on sale Saturday the twentieth of August. One pound and ten of your pennies. And that is another episode of our lovely little podcast, Isn't It Boomers? Thanks for the first time to our new editor, Sam Gabriel. You can find his other work at his podcast, Alexandra Quick and the Audiobook Project. You can follow Sonic the Comic the Podcast on Twitter if that's the sort of thing you like to do. It is at Sonic Podcast. And we're on there individually as well. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely. And you'll also find us on YouTube under those names as well. And Dave's on Twitch as well. That's right. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that on Patreon 
patreon.com slash stctp. As always, thanks to everybody who is supporting already, for we do not yet have any um, reward tiers. We are working towards something, and I would say, Dave, we feel like we're probably closer than ever to getting somewhere with that. We are extremely um, close to it, yes. A few kinks to maybe iron out yet, just things to see how they go, but uh, yeah, we could be close to that. Maybe talking about some other pieces of Sonic Media, mm-hmm. books, or maybe something else entirely. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can do that there. So patreon.com slash stctp. Our theme song can be purchased at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com it's called Synchronize and it's by Sonic the Comic the Band but we are Sonic the Comic the Podcast and we will see you next Next time. time just microwaving my tea I've only put it on for 20 seconds so it'll be about time to go and get it seconds is longer than you think. Especially when you're washing your hands. Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, the cat of the railway train. That's ten seconds. Skimble Shanks. I figured out. dare you? I figured out right at the start of lockdown that all you need to do is two goes through that and you've done 20 seconds great way to time if you're washing your hands long enough a little bit of the first verse and you're into 30 how dare you (laughs) we're supposed to be not doing off pod nonsense (laughs) we can do off pod nonsense but then it just makes more work for sam i don't care i don't care take that sam (laughs) And the Squirty Bertie jingle is from the Regular Features podcast. It's very funny, and I listen to it whenever I do the ironing or change the bedsheets. I don't know why, that's just just what I do.